Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160. You can call in with anything that's on your mind. Bring up something new. Talk about what we're talking about. It doesn't matter because it's Free Talk Live. And that number is 603-283-6160. In the studio with you tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. And this Monday, we had a terrible day. Um, The people on this show did. It was Um, a rough day for a lot of us. My husband and the um, basically father of this show, um, he created this show as his brainchild. And he is the most common first chair host, Ian Freeman. He got sentenced to eight years in prison for selling cryptocurrency to willing customers. Or at least people who vehemently portrayed themselves as willing customers to him. Oh, yeah. They portrayed themselves as willing customers who wanted Bitcoin. They said, no, I'm, I'm not op- operating under duress. Yep. No, I really am not being scammed. This is for my husband or this is for investments. But no, they lied to Ian so they could get Bitcoin. So they made him do something he didn't want to do. And because of that, they are now being called his victims. In fact... The judge has decided that at least one of them is a exceptionally vulnerable victim. So And so I thought during the trial that it was established that there were no victims. I was under the impression that technically there were no victims. Yep. And then all of a sudden at the sentencing, we're talking about victims and we're having these ladies come back again to read their, you know, testimony or whatever, read these, you know, sob stories to the court. Even when Arya got sentenced, um, she had the charge of money transmitting, illegal or unlicensed money transmitting. Yeah. Um, maybe not the conspiracy to commit wire, uh, um, sorry, to commit money laundering. So maybe it's all resting on that to, um, for the question of whether or not there was victims. But when Arya got sentenced, there, it was said there are no victims. So there's no victims of the unlicensed money transmitting business, but somehow there's victims when it with when it comes to this other charge. And and Nikki's right. During the entire trial, I have never I never heard them say that these people were Ian's victims. They would point out that he was doing something that was not illegal to do except that it was unlicensed and then on top of that he was um con- you know, they were saying that he was conspiring without saying so. So it's a thought crime. Um he was conspiring without saying so to Take the proceeds of somebody that he should have known didn't really want to buy Bitcoin. He tried his due diligence to make sure that these people were not being scammed. How? What else is he supposed to do? Yeah, but- I mean, let's be real here. Ian was doing more than any bank would, yep. than anyone else would. And this is according to people who've sat next to him and have worked with him time and time again, hearing him talk to people about Bitcoin. Take phone calls, yep. Um, take phone calls from people that ended up coming into the trial saying, Ian Freeman has no soul. I need him to be punished. I need him to suffer for what he has done. And um, I was so badly hurt by him because he didn't do things correctly after, you know, sometimes like sounding like they're fighting with him on the phone. Like, yes, I know my husband. Why would you ask that? 
like I'm offended. AI now to the audacity to like come testify against him in court. It's ridiculous. Just because the government, the FBI, the prosecution has promised them um, you might be able to get a little bit of money back. The money that was supposed to go to your uh, children and grandchildren uh, or the money that your mother gave you when she died or the the money that your uh, husband gave you when he died. Well, you might get a little bit of that money you sent away because you thought you fell in love with someone online and then you wouldn't listen to Ian, the voice of reason about it and you tricked him. So because of that, now um, you might get some of that money back. So why don't you just go up there and say Ian has no soul and he's the worst type of person. This is the worst type of crime. They probably won't get any money back either. Honestly, right. I, I, I really don't think they will. And I think that's a, no, a really sad part of it. And Ian even said when he was making his you know, closing statements, you know, if I would rather this go to like actual restitution instead of paying a fine to the government. Yep. And um, we know that the the judge already ruled that the... Fine. There's three separate money grabs here. One of them is a fine. $40,000. $40,000 is what that got. Is that um, the fine? I th- thought yes. that was... That's the fine, which is going to be the smallest number. So the fine was $40,000. Um, plus $700, somebody had said. I, I, I thought the didn't $700 catch that. was the fine, and then the 40000 was going towards... I don't understand what the 700 was. Victims. But the, I, that's no, no, probably no. like, oh, this is your processing fee yeah, or whatever. It's something <laughs> stupid like that, but the restitution hasn't been decided yet. There's going to be another date in court, and um, I asked his lawyer today, or at least his lawyer's um, secretary today, if there was a date for that yet, but there isn't a date for that yet. But... Um, yeah, then the restitution will be decided. And there's one other money grab. I can't remember what the heck it is. But today, I wanted um, to read to the listeners Ian's written allocution, his statement that he got to, like, what any last words, anything you have to say for yourself type of thing uh, before the judge on the day of sentencing on October 3rd or 2nd. Um, he had it written up, so I went ahead and posted it to Free Keen under his name. And I just want to get right into reading it to you guys. Before um, you read that, I thought this was an epic speech, and I'm sure yeah. that, you know, most people would agree this is a really oh, good yeah. speech. Yeah, it was, like, really, uh, it was really touching. Like, it was, you know, when I was talking to Aria, because I kind of, like, tried to give her a play-by-play on kind of mm-hmm. what happened. And Bonnie, your your speech as well was really, <laughs> I actually started crying during your speech. Uh, yeah, it was, so it, it was like, a good really, speech, definitely. Both of them was, I, like, I thought that was, like, I don't think it could have been better. And I think mm. they were both, like, y- yeah, just, just really, really well-spoken. And I think it, it had to have at least affected the judge's decision a little bit. I it hope had so. To have. It yeah. had to have. But one thing I do want to mention is that the judge, before Ian gave his speech, was like, don't put on a performance now, as though Ian yeah. is the type. I mean, Bonnie, you'd know Ian pretty well i imagine yeah. is, is he the type to put on a performance no ian's the weirdest leo um <laughs> he doesn't like to be just the center of attention he um like anyone likes praise for things that he's done well but not overly so like i, I actually was just talking to captain about this right before the show started um anytime someone calls in and they're like oh my gosh your show changed my life i love your show so much thank you so much for your work he usually tries to sweep that Oh, aside, so that way we, he can be like, okay, thank you. Um, So do you have anything you want to talk about? He doesn't want to dwell on it. He doesn't, yeah. he never wants like overly amount, uh, over, um, 
really big amounts of praise is what I'm trying to say. Um, he doesn't really like need attention. He turns this camera off that is on <clears throat> me right now. I like it on me because the other uh, view is just like it. I don't know. I look like a little shrimp. I don't. I don't <laughs> like sitting in this uh, <laughs> chair. The big camera view that yeah, I get. Yeah, the angle. So I always put the camera on me so people can know what I look like. Ian always keeps that one off, and it's not because he thinks he's ugly. Mark used to say that he thinks it's because Ian thinks he's ugly. So I asked him, I was like, Ian, you don't think you're ugly, do you? You're so handsome. And he was just like, no, I don't think I'm ugly. Why would Mark say that? Mark doesn't always talk about He's just a mean old man. <laughs> oh, my God. That's what he always said. I love Ian and Mark. They just love yes. to argue so much on air. It's entertaining. But it they seem so. to love each other somehow. Entertaining, yeah. And by, by the way, this doesn't have to be just me... Reading for the record or anything, if you guys want to stop me and you have something to say about it, go ahead, because this took 20 minutes to read. But I just want to read. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's up to me. I'm in the first year, so I think I'm going to read the entire thing. Because yeah, there do it. Plenty of people that don't go on the internet um, that listen to Free Talk Live or just don't know where to find us online and they're going to want to hear this. So Before Bonnie reads the, reads Ian's speech, if you think that Ian is actually a scammer, call us at 603-283-6160. We really want to hear your reasons why. Or just uh, anything you want to say. Um, I don't mind taking a break from reading this and talking about um, whatever is on your mind because that's what Free Talk Live is for. So I posted this to freekeen.com. It's the second most recent thing up there. Um, so that's where you can find this. It's just called Crypto 6 Sentencing Statement. It's under Ian's name. And, um, I'm just going to start from the actual statement. It says, I appreciate the opportunity to speak here today. I hope you can appreciate that I'm a bit in a bit of an awkward position. Normally, apologies and acceptance of responsibility are expected from a defendant at a sentencing hearing. I have been convicted on all eight counts I faced in trial by a jury of 12 other human beings. Since that time, the court has thankfully overturned my wrongful conviction on the money laundering count. We are going to be appealing the remaining seven convictions on the basis that the prosecution never proved a single one of them. So I can't apologize for those things as I do not believe I broke the law. Regardless, the jury found me guilty despite the defects in the prosecutor's case. So there is something in their opinion to be acknowledged. I don't know if they didn't like me or if they didn't believe me, but they thought I deserved to be found guilty, and I have to accept that there was some reason they did that, whether I like it or not. There is something I do want to apologize for, however, and that is that I failed to detect and prevent 100% of scam victims from using my services. For that, I am sorry. To the extent that my screening and know-your-customer procedures failed to alert me and the victims to what was happening to them, I take full responsibility for my failure and would like to request the court direct any fine toward the scammer's victims instead of the government. In their recent sentencing memorandum, the prosecution accused me of never having a real job. The truth is, I've worked several years at Kmart and several years at multiple radio stations, including several working for Clear Channel Communications, now known as iHeartRadio. That is where I began my now nationally syndicated talk radio program in 2002 that they insultingly call a hobby, simply because its revenue is down from its previous heights. They act as though I could be heard on over 170 radio stations nationwide, without any history in the industry or having ever lifted a finger. Well, they 
obviously don't know that Ian has a lot of technical skills with radio. I mean, he's put the show together and it's hard to keep the show going without him because we don't have all the technical skills he has. Not just that, but just the everything he does every single day. I am now taking care of all of that and I don't even know how he did all these things every day. Like I haven't even really started yet. I've just started like taking care of easy things, giving myself a break for being like, you know, still in shock that my husband could be gone for eight years. Probably won't be all eight, but um, I don't even know how it's possible. Like, Ian, I read this in um, Peace. Um, what is it called? I can't remember her name right now. This woman who walked across um, the United States in, I think, the 70s or 80s. And she, oh, Peace Pilgrim. Uh, she wrote a book and talked about why she walked across the United States spreading peace. And she said, whenever you invite peace into your mind and you truly are getting peace from like the divine source, you have this never ending energy and you get things done that people just can't even understand how you get everything done because it's just a passion and you, you know, have this sense of peace about you. I don't know how else to explain it, but that's. Ian, that describes Ian so much to me. Like, I don't know where he has these fountains of energy. And it's not just because he's a man. Like, I feel like, you know, maybe men have more energy than women. I don't know if that's uh, true, but it seems like that a lot of the times. I don't know. Nowadays, you might be called sexist for saying that. <laughs> yeah, probably, whatever. <laughs> but it, it's, he is, gets more things done than anyone else I know. And um, just because it's stuff that the government doesn't want getting done, like activism, it uh, doesn't mean that he's not extremely productive every single I mean, day. I think a lot of that is due to clarity of mind. Hmm. I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of like garbage clouding their mind. And yeah. it seems like Ian is a person that has a lot of clarity. Like he does have a lot of like just like inner peace and like calmness within him. That is such a good way to put it. And I totally agree about that with Ian. I think when somebody is um, unified in their consciousness, like what they think and what they feel is the way they act and they won't change that for anyone um it definitely um sorry i was getting a phone call i haven't had my phone on silent because ian could call me at any moment um but anyways yeah so ian has a lot of energy and he does a lot of stuff and the government insultingly called the uh the radio show that we're doing tonight a hobby and acted like he doesn't work and it's really stupid um they just say whatever they can to make people look bad when they're prosecuting them. Yeah, they probably know it's all lies, too. Like, yeah. they, they know how much it takes to, you know, like, do this show. And they know it's more than a hobby. But they will spread whatever lies they have to, to, you know, to win. Yep. And um, somebody put it perfectly. I think it was on this free Keen blog um, comment. Somebody said prosecution. Oh, no, I think it was in the free. Uh, it was in the Keen chat. Anyways, somebody said prosecutors are rewarded for convictions not for justice oh yeah they aren't rewarded for doing the best they can do um nope they're rewarded for how many people they can get found guilty whether no matter the cost so um going back to ian's statement he says they the prosecution obviously know nothing about entrepreneurship and the countless hours i have invested in building and maintaining the studio calling radio stations to get them to carry our show running our website and online presence, and then actually performing the show three hours a night, several days every week, which I have done for two decades of my life. Yeah, 
government okay that's back to me talking government workers don't know what entrepreneurship is like at all because they've never had to actually um succeed in anything they just get handed jobs and they get paid no matter how good or how well they do so it's a good way to put it in so going back to his statement he says my show is my life's work and it's completely unnecessary to their case to belittle it we have been honored by talkers magazine the top industry publication with inclusion into their heavy hundred for over a decade. It's a list of the most influential talk shows in America. This year we ranked at number 25. Talkers also awarded me with their coveted Freedom of Speech Award in 2022, an annual award that has gone to approximately 30 talk show hosts in the last few decades, including Rush Limbaugh. They have also insulted my religion and my church simply because they don't understand it or they pretend not to. While we don't utilize a traditional religious meeting space, we did provide one free of charge to the local Muslim community, as our witness Muhammad Ali testified. This is because the Shire Free Church, like the Unitarian Universalists, is an interfaith church. Our ministers in Keene conduct their ministry via broadcast media, as many television and radio churches have done for decades. Our church has donated to multiple charities, including the 100 uh, Nights Homeless Shelter, and a, I just want to make this clear, Liberty in North Korea, that's a, um, that's an organization. Um, And we're instrumental in building an orphanage in Uganda. I just didn't want it to sound like, well, we give money for there to be Liberty in North Korea. It kind of sounds like a statement more than an organization or something. Um, I used to give money to that, um, 2016 just like what little i could give because they're so great and and sorry i'm this back to bonnie talking um liberty north korea they help people who have snuck out get from north korea through china to south korea or somewhere else to get because once you're out of north korea and you're in china you're still not safe um they're very bad to those people as well um anyways i just wanted to bring that up because i just remember when ian read it um they have donated to multiple charities. I guess it does say charities, but since Liberty in North Korea comes last, I don't know, just kind of, I was afraid people who didn't know what that was, it just sounded like it was like some other activism. Okay. And they were, the Shire Free Church was instrumental in building an orphanage in Uganda. Multiple local business owners testified under oath and via written letter that I provided all my cryptocurrency consulting services to them free of charge. And this was also a part of my church mission. Despite the... Despite the prosecutor's claims that I'm the only minister, we have actually multiple and they have presided over multiple weddings, including the very witness that they had falsely testified that the church isn't real. Despite the prosecutor's claim that the church only existed to confuse banks, the Shire Free Church was founded a year prior to my inspiration to launch our first vending machine in Keene and three years before my first local Bitcoin sale. And I just want to touch on the, um, the the witness that falsely testified that the church isn't real. I don't see how it's possible that that's not perjury. Not that she'll ever get prosecuted because she was a prosecution's witness instead of the defense's witness. But when you're on a show that every single night you hear a commercial that uh, explains what the Shire Free Church is. And Ian talks about it openly on the show. And Ian talks about... Um, Are you referring to Melanie now? Yeah, Melanie. Melanie was on the show. The um, well, yeah, she, I mean, she was clearly lying about that. Yeah, but the the judge wouldn't know, but we all know that. 
we, we all, all know that yeah, M- all Melanie's know that. lying. Um, yeah, we we definitely know. I mean, she's she was on the show quite a while. I remember yeah. that she actually her current husband actually proposed to her on this show. On the I show, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that it was on the show. It's kind of funny, but um, uh, Mark Edge, who was here on Monday. He um, presided over their wedding. He was like, she asked him to do their wedding. It's not like she was just like, hmm, you're a random person. Will you um, officiate our wedding? She knew that he was um, a minister under the Shire Church. And whenever Mark Sisti, Ian's lawyer, asked her, well, why did you do that then? Her answer was she went, um, for a long time. And then she said, he told me he was a Quaker. Because he is a Quaker. It's a multi-denominational faith. Exactly. Or yeah. uh, you, whatever. You interfaith. Know, but yeah. That's yeah, a, interfaith. Yes, exactly. Great way that's to put I mean. it to you. Um, but yeah, he he's not like, a, it, he didn't do a Quaker wedding. Those are a specific thing, one. And two, he, he doesn't have some kind of like paperwork from the Quakers. He didn't go to the Quakers to become someone who can officiate a wedding. It, it's under his authority of the Shire Free Church. And she knew that. In fact, if we can find a video... I bet that it's mentioned at her wedding, but I never really thought to look at, into that. Anyways, um, yeah, I just wanted to bring put uh put that out there because Ian doesn't like to you know be mean and you know like stick it to people, but I kind of do in this in this instance. Um, so continuing, he says, however, the most insulting part about the case against me is the idea that I was conspiring with fraudsters to assist them in their evil deeds. The prosecutor's case attempted to have it both ways. On the one hand, they said advertising that I respected privacy was an invitation to criminals. But then they showed some of the detailed requirements I put buyers through to verify their identities and alert them to what they were buying and how. What they did not show the jury was my list of questions I had developed to ask people prior to selling them Bitcoin. The question specifically identified different types of scams and required the buyer to confirm they were not being victimized. It's worth pointing out. Oh, well, let's continue this whenever um, we come back. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Call in with whatever is on your mind. 603-283-6160. Keep listening. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash, digital cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction, and its features ensure Dash is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible, and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. Yeah! 
Talk Live, talk radio that you control, 603-283-6160. That number is 603-283-6160. You can call in with whatever is on your mind. With you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. And so far tonight, we've been talking about Ian Freeman's sentencing date that happened this Monday. He is sentenced to eight years in prison for selling Bitcoin to people who claim to want to buy Bitcoin from him in a way to, you know, sum it all up. Tax evasion, four counts. Um, Absolutely ludicrous that those went through considering the level you have to be at to be proven that you um, evaded tax taxes isn't just, oh, if you feel jurors like he should pay taxes, then convict him. It's very high, actually. I can't remember what the wording is I'm trying to say, but um, it's it's a high burden on um, the prosecution to prove. And it is, there's like no doubt that Ian had to pay taxes, one, and knew he had to pay taxes, two. Even though the IRS agent who testified said to Mark Sisti, Ian's lawyer, that it's 100% possible that he may owe nothing, that that should be open and shut. Like, there's no way that you should... I mean, the jury basically can do whatever they want, but... um, Plus, from what I remember hearing Ian say is he never got any notification from the IRS. Yep, he never did. Um, but before we get back into the statement, I'm reading the allo- allocation, allocation, allo- dang it, allocution, allocution, which is the statement that a defendant gets to give to the judge right before sentencing. The very last thing that happens before the uh, judge hands out his sentence. Um, I'm reading what Ian got to say because they don't allow cameras in the courtroom it was very touching. Everybody that's talked about it absolutely loved his statement. Um, it clears so many things up. If if Ian just went up there and read this during trial, not not saying it's Ian or Sisti's fault, I'm just saying I think that he would have had better chances at not getting eight convictions. But before we get it back into it, I want to go to your phone calls and thoughts because it's a call-in talk radio show and uh, freedom of speech and all that. So I'm going to go to Gigi in South Carolina. You're on Free Talk Live. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for taking my call tonight. I am so appreciative that you just made mention of the phrase freedom of speech. We pride ourselves on being a republic, a so-called democracy. And when I think about what I learned as a child in social studies and then in civics in high school, that Benjamin Franklin, one of our founders, established the first public open library in Philadelphia in the 18th century. No book banning. And look what's happening in my home state of Florida. Books being banned. Mm. And here in Charleston, South Carolina, where I currently reside, various public libraries are having the same policies. I was under the impression that freedom of speech and freedom of the press are guaranteed 
to a certain extent in our civil liberties. I, so I thought why so too. are books being banned? It's very frightening. Everybody who's listening to this wonderful program, however infrequently you listen, please be aware more and more of your civil liberties are being infringed upon. It is frightful. Yes, it's really annoying that when something is called public, normally you would think that that means everybody owns it. Anybody who writes a book should be able to have their book in a public library. It's, it belongs point, to all of us. My dear. Good point. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. You are so on target. But it usually means the opposite. Public just means belongs to the government and they'll do whatever they want with it. And it's very frightening, is it not? It is. It's bad. It's not how things yes, are supposed to be. Yes, <laughs> ma'am. Well, that was my contribution for this evening. I love this program. Thank you so much, Gigi, for your call. We really appreciate it. We always like uh, hearing from her. R- Riley, did you have something you yeah, want to I say? Yeah, I do want to say something about banning books. You know, it seems like I've read a lot of dystopian novels from Fahrenheit 451 to or- George Orwell's 1984 and Animal Farm. And it just seems like... You know, we're starting to live more and more in a dystopian world where people ban books and burn things and mm-hmm. and censor people and send things down memory holes. And I'm starting to <laughs> wonder, what in the world is going on in our society? There have been so many times where I'm just, you know, existing in this world and I'm like, oh my gosh, that literally happened in insert dystopian novel here. Like, right. oh, that, you know... That happened in you know, 1984. It's right. just like, it, it's scary because... Or Demolition Man, 20, yeah. pretty commonly. Yeah. <laughs> like 20, 30, 40 years ago, it was like, these were dystopian novels. Like, these were like, okay, this would never happen. Right. Like, this is This, this is would never crazy, happen in our world. Yeah, in our country, things. our free country, yeah. at the very least. Yeah. Well, it is, so. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Gigi, for the call. Now, moving on, we're going to Ricky in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Ricky, what's on your mind? Thank you there, Miss Bonnie, Brother Riley, Sister Nikki. Good evening. Well, you know, uh, I didn't know if I was going to talk about this. But, you know, I've done the, I heard what happened to Brother Ian. I guess they weren't listening to what I said his sentence would be. But I've done a lot of things over the years that people don't know on there. In 2017, I became real. I was named most unique personality hit the internet in a decade on Skype, the same as the cam girl Twitch. <laughs> you know, I was running for office. Uh, and, uh, I mean, there's even uh, a character in Fallout 3 that's based on me. That was covered on what? the show. I didn't yes. know that. I'll talk about it in next week, Miss Bonnie. Okay, I just had heard that. More that's important, crazy. But there's sense to it. Anyways, what's important, though, and yeah, I got bitch slapped in 18. It's called Ricky from the Commonwealth Don't Run for Office. But the saddest part is the story that I didn't know if I was going to tell, but I'm going to tell. See, it did come out in the air. I never did say about my vision problems, but then Brother Ian leaked it out, and it's all right. And yeah, I went blind three years ago. But see, in 17, something wonderful happened. I was on the list for years for stem cells. Now, they made a guy exactly like me at the time. My vision was 2,400. I had tunnel vision, you know, uh, 
everything, all the all the characteristics are he was the same. Now this was years before he got stem cells, and that man was perfect. Oh. More perfect probably than the people, except for yourself, of course, brother Ryan. But in that just room. like people who weren't born blind, they can have uh, stem cells yeah, restore their yeah. sight. And it, and it works. It does work. Oh. It's guaranteed. It it does work. But here's the sad part. Now, I actually my I got a phone call in my apartment. I got a phone call around July. <laughs> this is this is right after. Uh, I was named most unique personality hit the internet in a decade. Now, the woman was from Massachusetts, Boston, research facility. Here, my number went up. And, you know, she told me how it works, what I got to pay for to get down there, blah, blah, blah. Now, the only hitch was uh, I had Rye syndrome when I I was a kid, a very rare disease. And uh, at that time, they weren't sure if it was aspirin or penicillin, that, I, that, would, that would be a highly allergic thing. So I had to get tested for penicillin. Now, I did. And uh, they even told me they're all, oh, you're good. Well, I got the lab results. I got them to her. And the funny thing was is I'm now not able to get hold of her. I'm not able to go, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And finally, the phone picks up. I don't know, maybe she didn't mean to pick it up. And I said, oh, I said, did you get the results? It's good. You know, or I'm ready to go and all this. I said, well, uh, you know what? I wouldn't have mentioned that. She says to me, well, here's the sad part. She says to me, you're not a candidate. I thought I was a perfect Mm -hmm. candidate before what happened. She said, well, you know, I said, you know, I said to her, I said, you know, she said, and I said this one, I said, she said, well, you know, it's the man uh, that put forth the money. Uh, you know, for our research. And I told her right out, mm. I said, it's, I said right to her, I said, it's because I'm Ricky from the Commonwealth, isn't it? Wow. that was... And it got, and it all of a sudden got silent. And I remember I said this one, I asked her, I said, is he a Republican or a Democrat? She says, well, I don't know. Uh, you know, and she, she said, I don't know if I can answer. I said, it doesn't matter. Well, so is this like a, um, no, wait, Ricky, I have a question. Is this a, like a public uh, hospital? Are you using any kind no, of public no, funds? No. So the re- stem cells is is still considered experimental. It's mm. not approved by anything. And the sad thing is, is now I'm at the state. It's a weird situation. I'm blind but not detached. Now, what that means is CRP means we're a nice paper tells you you're cables, your stems, your cells are breaking throughout time. That's where the blindness is progressive. So now think about it this way, the left and the right eye. You know, you have, say, instead of millions, we'll say 108. I may have actually less than 10. So I'm actually what they call blind but not detached. I wouldn't be an applicant okay. at all now for stem cells. Oh, you know, and so it's back then you might have been? He, I, I don't know what was to be gained out of it. You know, and uh, I know that was the reason why. I mean, and it's very sad. It's and it's because of the of the things I talk about on that show. And you know, here I am this year after five years come back. Okay, right, uh, Ricky. Yet. Thank you for your call. I mean, that's a, kind of an interesting story about possibly being a victim of yeah. cancel culture. Yeah, interesting story. Yeah. Um, who who knows? Like, I don't have the answer for him. I don't really get. I didn't really get all the details I wanted to get out of him about it. 
Um, so I can't make a decision one way or the other, but cancel culture is just so bad. Like, imagine you have the, uh, I mean, imagine everything he said is exactly the way it was that he, this person had the ability to at least give someone the chance to get, regain their vision, but he didn't because he's, you know, a A certain personality somewhere or just his political opinions. I mean, that's pretty terrible, but I, I bet it would be something that wouldn't have he wouldn't have to deal with if the government didn't regulate healthcare things. Like he said, it's still an experimental thing. So yeah, if just anybody could get their hands in this business, which I doubt you can, just get your hands in the stem cell giving people business. I bet that there'd be someone out there that wouldn't mind serving Ricky from the Commonwealth, and that's a pretty sad story. Yep. But moving on. In the last segment, I started reading Ian's statement to the judge, his allocution to the judge. And we covered some of the things that he said were insulting about the prosecution's prosecution's case against him. But he said the most insulting part of the entire case against him was the idea that he was conspiring with fraudsters to assist them in their evil deeds. And he talked about how the prosecution didn't show the jury his list of questions he had developed to ask people prior to selling them Bitcoin and that the questions specifically identified different types of scams. And he alerted them to those and he asked them if they were to confirm that they were not being victimized. But going on, he says, it's worth pointing out that my procedure was more in depth than any of the banks who also sent away the scam victims' life savings, yet the bank tellers and managers were not arrested. Unfortunately, it took me some time to develop these procedures as I learned slowly of the different types of scams. There was no manual how to there was no how-to manual to read when I started this, and initially I was the direct target of the scammers who used my bank info to pay credit card bills or car payments. Since the banks never told me why they were closing my accounts, it kept me in the dark much longer about what was happening to a small percentage of my buyers. The prosecution suggested during trial that the only reason I had identification procedures in place was to protect my bank accounts. While that is one reason, it's not the only reason. The other reason is that because I don't want, or is because... I don't want people to be taken advantage of. As a libertarian voluntarist, I am firmly against fraud and never want to be a part of it. Indeed, my perfect seller ratings on localbitcoins.com were proof of my reputation for honesty. Eventually, my mission expanded beyond spreading Bitcoin to include to never let a scammer get through my screening. Sadly, no matter how strict I became or how many hoops I put in place for buyers to jump, I could not catch them all, as I learned with the case of Patrick Brown, who testified at the trial. Mr. Brown said under oath that I only asked him one question when we talked on the phone prior to selling him Bitcoin. However, by that time, I had developed the series of questions I mentioned earlier, which included asking him if there were was a third party putting up him up to this. And if he was under duress. He assured me he was buying the bitcoins for investment purposes on his own volition. So I sold it to him and then he came back for a few more buys. I thought he was a satisfied repeat customer until his bank tried to pull one of his wires from my account. I reached out to Patrick, whose number I still have on my phone, 
to try to find out what happened and eventually heard from Detective Alan Snotty from Travis County Sheriff's. I spent a half hour on the phone with Detective Snotty and provided any information I could to help him with his investigation. And Detective Snotty explained to me what had happened to Mr. Brown. That's when I learned that he was under duress as the scammers were threatening him and pretending to be federal government agents. It was in my conversation with Detective Snotty that I learned Patrick Brown lied to me to get me to sell him Bitcoin. And I just want to pause for a second from reading this and explain. He was under duress, um, in Ian's opinion, because he believed that he had to do what the FBI was telling, or not the FBI, sorry, the IRS was telling him to do over an email. He wasn't under duress as in there was somebody holding a gun to his head. And I just... I used to talk to Ian about this and say, like, Ian, they weren't under duress. Like, I don't think that that word applies here. And he would say, yes, they were. It's the scariest government agency. I mean, the, the scariest government in the world threatening to harm you. And they will do it. They'll harm people. They do it every day. And they don't care about you. So in Ian's opinion, these people were under duress. It doesn't matter that there wasn't somebody in the room with them holding a knife to their throat. Um, and I kind of agree with, you know, Ian's version of that word or like his definition of that word in this case, because yeah, it it doesn't even have to be like as serious as like someone legit has a gun to your head. You can still be under duress for any number of reasons. Sure. And it it can be kind of scary to have an institution that, you know, has the ability to lock you in a cage if you don't pay your taxes. It can feel scary to be emailing back and forth with that with what you believe is that organization because your life could change overnight. I just wanted to point that out because I wanted to explain the the charity Ian gives to these people. Like he isn't just mad at them. He is, he can see things through other people's perspective. He, he doesn't just hate these people for getting him into this situation, even though they kind of did in my opinion. So going on. The other witnesses in the case, I had no idea were victims of scams, and I didn't find out they had been victimized until I saw their names and stories in the discovery for this case. Carla Sino had purchased many times from me over longer than a year. She represented herself to me as a successful real estate agent who is buying for herself and eventually selling to others. I didn't know until the trial that she'd been working with a scammer for half a decade and was herself acting as a money transmitter for the scammer. She kept those details from me. The same was true about Nancy Treestrom. She revealed at trial she was actually working with her scammer and moved money at his behest while keeping me in the dark. Daniela Varel was a sophisticated financial advisor by trade, but even she was fooled by a scammer. What I learned was the scammers are so persuasive They will get their victims to lie to do anything necessary to get through my requirements. It didn't matter how strict I was or how many questions I asked. I was also the victim of scammers who had their victims lie to get through my security, putting me unknowingly in the position of taking the fall for their crimes. One more example of the dishonesty of the victims in this case came to light since the previous sentencing hearing where Karen Miller read her letter to the court. In it, she admitted having bought Bitcoin from me with other people's money that the scammer had his victim send to Karen. Karen never told me this. Like Patrick Brown, I still have her cell phone number 
in my phone, and I had spoken to her more than once to make sure she was a consenting buyer as she purchased from me multiple times. She appeared to be a wealthy businesswoman buying Bitcoin for investment and business purposes. I met Karen through Rebecca Viar, who I considered to be a good customer. Karen Miller assured me in my first phone call with her that she knew Rebecca Viar personally. This turned out to be a lie. Thanks to the most recent letter filed by the prosecution from Pam Hamilton Campbell, we know Karen Miller was willing to sell or tell lies to get what she and the scammer wanted from me and others. In her letter, Pam Campbell stated Karen Miller, quote, posed on the phone to me as the scammer's sister. She and I spoke on the phone several times. She assured me that as his sister, she was also sending him money to help him out of his situation. I would have never sent him the money, $753,251, out of the kindness of my heart had she not compelled me using the unconscionable methods via emotional blackmail perpetrated to commit this crime, unquote. And that is a bombshell. This woman, Karen Miller, who came to the sentencing hearing, Riley, Nikki, and I uh, witnessed the first woman that walked up, the stout one. She read her letter saying how she's a victim of Ian, how Ian has um, a black soul or whatever, yeah. and um, he's the terrible person. She didn't mention that she emotionally blackmailed another person who ended up a victim of the same man that she was working with. Whether she's under duress or not, she is doing things far worse than um, what right, she's yeah. accusing, accusing Ian of doing. Oh, absolutely. And Ian I bet never she's did get anything money like that. Yep. Ian just provided her with a service, you know, and she she lied to him to get his services and then essentially, you know, like is manipulating other people. Other, I mean, other like, old women. It's ridiculous. And that's, and that's just fine because she's a victim because she well, she's old, younger than like um, all the lawyers in the room, but still old. Not all of them, but she was younger than Sissy. Oh, yeah. And he pointed that out. Because it's kind of hilarious. It's a little insulting to be like, well, as soon as you well, turn 60, you're just too old to um, control who, yourself. Who was it? Oh, I can't remember who said this. But somebody, um, when we were all outside the courtroom just chatting, someone was like, you know, I'm, you know, X years old. I have Bitcoin. Hmm. I'm not, you know, like elderly and naive and stupid. And, you know, hmm. yeah. Yeah, so exactly. it is. It's it's offensive to a lot of I know a lot of people in their 70s right. it's, that it's have offensive Bitcoin. To elderly people to claim them to be naive because I'm sure a lot of them are not naive. And, um, and also, like, 25-year-olds can get scammed. Right. You know what I mean? Like Exactly. I mean, so, if, if it's just the love is blind thing, I did it because I was in love, like, anyone can could do that. That could happen to anyone. Um, And another a witness that... I'm just speaking still. This isn't Ian's um, statement. A, a witness that testified for Ian for the defense. Her name is Dale. She's a good friend of ours. Um, I see her at least like once a month at crypto meetups. She's 70, She was 75 years old at the time of testifying. And she said this to the jury and everything. She became interested of in crypto by herself by learning about it on the Internet. She's like an avid reader. She is very interested in being as free as possible, even though I don't really know why she stays in Massachusetts, but that's neither here, here nor there. Um, and she's a really good person, and she's so interesting to talk to. And um, 
she, so she was 75 years old, retired Spanish teacher. She found Ian's cryptocurrency meetup through um, a friend. She went to his cryptocurrency meetups. She, um, I'm not sure if she ever actually bought crypto from Ian, but she had crypto herself. She had um, Ian help her with things. He never asked her to pay him a cent. And um, she's 75 years old and interested in Bitcoin. So the jury knew that at least, you know, some old people out there um, are interested in that stuff. So it's not unimaginable. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Eleutheromania, the insatiable desire for freedom. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. And in the studio with you tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. And so far throughout the show, we've been talking about Ian Freeman going to prison. He got sentenced to eight years on Monday in prison. Um, He probably won't be in there for eight years. Um, We hope not anyway, because this show, it's harder to run without him. He has a lot of technical skills, a lot of know-how. And, you know, he's he's just dedicated to this show. This is his baby. And he's just... A lot of people's like favorite person in the world that we yeah. want around. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, definitely for the show, we want him to be here. He's um, a genius, and he knows how to do everything. I mean, as far as I know about how um, like sentencing typically works and time served, it will probably be closer to like five years, mm-hmm. more likely. And that's kind of like a worst case scenario too, because that's only with the way that the good time works. But there's also been yeah. something I. He wanted to say it's called, no, I can't remember what it's, uh, the acronym is, but there's something um, new that um, tells prisons, the Bureau of Prisons, that they have to give people this certain amount of time off. So it, it could be even smaller than that. So, and also he could win his appeal. I don't think I've mentioned that this whole show, um, this whole episode of this show, because maybe some people don't know, but he's also appealing the sentence, I mean, the the convictions, all eight. All eight. And, um, yeah, so the, for all we know, like some charges could get thrown out. The sentence could change. It just, it's not a magic button. It takes years to go through a sentencing, uh, I mean, uh, sorry. A, An um, appeal. Thank you. An appeal. I just know that the wheels move slowly in the court system. It takes forever. Yep. Just about everything. It's not just appeals. Um, going to your phone calls and thoughts. We have Matthew. Matthew, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, I just wanted to um, say a few comments about uh, Ian's sentencing. Uh, sentencing. Um, the basis that he was operating some type of criminal enterprise has no merit. I think it's very obvious to everyone except the jury 
sadly, that, that that's the case. If Ian's the services that Ian and the rest of the people in the Crypto Six operated were, uh, you know, maybe ten out of the thousands of people that uh, use the service um, were getting scammed or falling victim to fraud. You know what would make the you know what that would make the largest criminal enterprise on earth, the Federal Reserve and the U.S. government. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so, that's already definitely the case. Yeah. So <laughs> the 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 narrative that they try to spun here is that um, safety. It's always about safety. That's how they take away your freedom. That's how they, they did it with the Patriot Act back in after nine eleven. They did it with um, during COVID during the lockdowns. And they did it with uh, KYC, Know Your Customer, um, when cryptocurrency started emerging and coming uh, and sort of uh, gained its uh, mass adoption. There's, if, if scammers wanted to find a way to scam someone, they could find a different way that didn't involve cryptocurrency. And they could have used a thousand other Bitcoin services. Or gift cards so, or things like that. Cash. Yeah. Thank you so much yeah, um, for so. bringing all that up. Um, I, I know you have another thing to say, but I just wanted to say the law, the main one that is um, targeting Ian in this about the money transmission, uh, unlicensed money transmitting, that is a Patriot Act law. And um, it's all right. about the Patriot Act was all about taking away your freedoms and privacy. Um, all in the name of stopping quote-unquote terrorists all in the name of yes stopping terrorists and safety you should be safe all the time and no one else should no one should have personal responsibility for keeping their own money in their bank accounts and not sending it away to um somebody they fall in love with on the internet nope it's it's the government needs to keep us all safe and um and privacy is basically illegal now if if you um the the this trial seriously made privacy possibly illegal like they can use this as a um, like VPNs could be in trouble now because if you're advertising, oh, use our service if you want privacy, we don't ask questions. They said that that means that you're advertising to scammers and the jury decided that that is the case. So that's really, really bad. Yeah. Anything else, Matthew? Yeah. Um, no, I, I, just, I just wanted to call in to comment on that. But something regarding that... Uh, you know, banning, I think you said VPNs. Um, they've been trying to put this legislation through uh, the House called the Earn It Act, um, which I'm sure you might be familiar with. Mm-mm, but no. uh, oh, so the Earn It Act is um, um, it's basically just a uh, backdoor legislation to outlaw uh, end to end encryption. Um, so all platform, uh, it's a lot similar to what was just passed in the UK. Um, I can't remember what that bill was called, but children's safety. Something. Right. So one of the implications of the Earn It Act um, would be uh, essentially all platforms that use end-to-end encryption would have to put a backdoor uh, that could be accessed by the government, um, all in the name of safety. So that's always what they. That's always the narrative they use. It's safety, and they'll come up with. And they, they seem to. And with this court case, the prosecutors did a must have done a good job of, you know, uh, painting a picture of Ian as this, you know, cri- criminal genius, right? Like, Sophisticated uh, cyber criminals, what they said. Yeah. Right, right. So, so that's, all, that's always what they use. And people have to, it's insane that people are so uh, conditioned just to kind of accept that. Whatever the government says. Right. 
Well, um, thank you so much for explaining that. The uh, the thing about it is, why do they need to pass something called the Earn It Act if they can just legislate, if the judges can now just legislate from the bench? Oh, Bitcoin is money. Bitcoin was transmitted. All of these laws apply to this, blah, blah, blah. And I would say they want to do it to make it look good for the public. Yep, I guess they do do that sometimes. Well, thank you for your call, Matthew. I really appreciate it. Um, let's continue on with the... Um, uh, let's continue on with the calls. We have Skeeter. Skeeter, you're on Free Talk Live. Oh, my God. It's your boy, Mr. Swaggy. The evil. Have a good night, uh, Skeeter. Thank you, I'm Bonnie. just not going to listen to something that no. annoying. Like, seriously, like, putting on a voice and being annoying. It's like, no, it's the whole thing is like serious uh, topic tonight. And it's just like, I don't no, like I, you, Skeeter. No, and I, I appreciate that because I also do not have the capacity for that tonight. Yeah. So, um... So, yeah, moving on. In the last hour, we started reading Ian Freeman's statement to the judge. It's called an allocution. Whenever you give your last words, any, anything you like to say for yourself right before the judge sentences you. So I read probably um, less than half of it or about half of it. But we're going to move on and continue reading that because I just want anyone who you know doesn't use the Internet some people don't use the internet and listen only on the radio here, or they use their phone to call into the listen line. And I just want everybody to be able to hear this. So, oh, uh, actually, I need to find my spot. Sorry, I thought that that was it, and it wasn't. So he um, described basically how he was just as much a victim of the scammers as all of these women were, and how these women lied to him in order to get them to use their services, use his services. He didn't want to uh, give services to anyone who was a scam victim. Not just knowingly, he morally, personally didn't want that to happen. Um, and that's what he's been explaining so far. So he just said how Karen Miller pretended to be a scammer's sister to scam another woman named Pam Campbell. Those are two different scam victims that are asking for restitution in this case. So we just um, read Pam Campbell's statement about that. And Ian continues saying, I want to be clear. I don't think Karen Miller was knowingly part of this scam. I mean, he doesn't know, but he doesn't think it either. So I'm just pointing that out. However, she was under this man's spell and was willing to lie to help him. She lied to Pam Campbell to get her to send Karen money. And she lied to me to get me to accept it. However, she never told me she was using other people's money. This is yet another example of how I was tricked by the scam victims. Now, these poor people think their scammer has been caught and is facing punishment when in reality, whoever Jerry Harmon is, is still out there, probably still running the same scam and using one of the thousands of other Bitcoin sellers on the peer-to-peer sites. Jerry Harmon is the probably pseudonymous uh, pseudonymous name uh that all of the, not all of them, but like three different scam victims were in love with and were sending their money to online. He continues, I am sorry those people were taken advantage of and that I couldn't stop them all. I did stop plenty of them, however. While the prosecutors focused on a few dozen scam victims who bought Bitcoin through me, they objected to me showing my user feedback on local Bitcoins. This is because the only negative feedback I had was from likely scammers 
who were mad that my requirements were too onerous. Between my account, Renee's, and Nobody's accounts, we had thousands of buyers and 100% positive feedback. And if that's confusing, it's because he had so much positive feedback that the um, complainers, there was like, I don't know, I'm going to say like three of them or something. It wasn't enough to take it from, like, it's just how... um, Yeah, it was so little of amount that it was less than 1%. Less than 1%. (laughs) So, like, that's the way local Bitcoins had their thing set up. Yeah. Um, So instead of being like 99 point whatever, it was still 100, yeah. Exactly. Um, So I just wanted to point that out. He continues, he says, In addition to stopping scam victims from buying from me in the first place, my procedures were able to stop multiple scams in process, including an elderly doctor from Alabama who we worked with the police to get his $4,000 back to him, a young stockbroker from New York City who nearly lost $5,000, and Paul Niwa's elderly mother, Yoshina, who I saved from losing $11,000 and went through many hoops to get her the money back after the bank closed our account. The idea that I was somehow in support of scammers or tolerant of them is negated by the fact that I worked to get people their money back and worked with law enforcement on multiple occasions. Where I, just, I-, I just want to say that it's interesting that Ian worked with law enforcement. I've heard him talk right. time and time again on the show saying don't talk to the police, and yet here he is I mean, working it- with the police to stop scammers. Now, I'm not saying Ian's contradicting himself. I'm just suggesting that, you know, it's interesting to me that he's willing, even though he has positioned himself in such a way to not really like the government or its officials, he's still willing to work with them to help people get money back. Exactly. Um, His position on that is just that if they were actually, if cops were actually out there just doing things like this, like stopping women from getting scammed and you know, stopping murders, then he would have no problem with them. Right, because it's a victim. It's a crime with a victim. Right, so that's why he helped um, Agent Snotty and other cops um, to stop people from getting scammed when he figured them out. He says, Were I a part of the scam, there would be no reason to return Mrs. Niwa's money as it was already in our bank account. Further, the church is... The church already had plenty of bitcoins years prior to selling them, so the idea that this was all about making money from scammers is absurd. This was all about getting people to adopt bitcoin, which is why, despite the prosecution's claims of high rates, our vending machines were priced lower than any other in the region. The prosecution would have you believe that charging 10% on local bitcoins is outrageous, um, compared to the below 1% rate that exchanges would charge, and therefore only scammers would apply. They say this while ignoring the testimony of their own witness, Chris Reitman, who said that my prices were in line with the markets and were in, uh, we were in, and while ignoring the thousands of satisfied customers we had on that site over the years. Even prosecution's own numbers admit only a small portion of our buyers were victims of scams. Clearly, there is a demand for the personal service we provided. Further, the centralized exchanges can't stop the scammers either. Their onboarding procedure is completely automated. There is no personal phone interview and involves the customer handing over their social security number and their ID. Scammers can easily have their victims, who we know are willing to lie to buy Bitcoin, jump through the exchange hoops. However, the exchanges have their government paperwork So they are not facing criminal charges, just like the banks aren't facing charges for wiring away the victim's life savings. 
Despite the prosecution's assertions, simply advertising that one respects privacy is not an invitation to scammers, especially when paired with the ID and security requirements I had. Privacy is a right enshrined in the New Hampshire Constitution's Bill of Rights and was placed there by a supermajority of the voters in 2018, so clearly privacy is popular and not a criminal act or an unspoken conspiracy. Their case for conspiracy to money launder was innuendo, suggesting I should have known scams were happening simply because a portion of my buyers were of retirement age. The prosecution's claim cash is a red flag, but people who appreciate privacy also appreciate cash. The desire for privacy is not a crime, nor evidence for suspicion. Further, poor grammar on the internet is common. Many people of all ages who might speak fine in real life are constantly cutting corners in their internet communications. Through third-party trade, or though third-party trades are riskier, I require ID from all parties involved and even made phone calls to ask probing questions of the buyer's agents, though the government's witnesses didn't recall the extent of my questions. I, in my opinion, this is Bonnie um, talking for myself. I think they lied because you don't... No, absolutely. You don't have like a 30-minute conversation with somebody and like really have to like vehemently argue with them, convince them that you're doing something for yourself, and then... Just forget it. And then when uh, you're asked on the witness stand, say, he only asked me one question. He asked me, are you Patrick Brown? And when I said yes, he hung up. Yeah, which also does not make sense. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make make sense to me either because, you know, I would remember a 30-minute conversation Well, and also, but, like, why would, like, for me to, like, call Riley on the phone and be like, are you Riley? And then he's like, yes. And then for me to hang up, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, why would he even do that? Spend the time doing that. Yeah, exactly. Why would you even bother calling somebody to ask them one question? Stupid. You know? I don't understand how the jury fell for this. It's ridiculous. Um, so I actually kind of lost my spot. Okay, there it is. Assisting scams would have meant major frustration for me as unhappy buyers always led to a bank account being closed. A customer pulling back a wire also meant I would become the scammer's victim as I would have already sent the Bitcoin and there was no way to reverse a Bitcoin transaction like one can a bank transfer. Did you have your hand up, Riley? Sorry. No. Okay. Um, there is simply no reason I would have wanted these difficulties to happen more often, and working with scammers or trying to attract them would have ensured it happened more often than it did. In order to prove the count of money laundering conspiracy with the scammers, they would have to prove willful blindness as no other evidence was presented. To prove willful blindness, they had to prove I consciously and deliberately avoided learning facts in question. Given I had a rigorous set of know-your-customer requirements in place, it was clear I was trying to catch and prevent scammers. Further, I had assisted law enforcement in their investigations of those scammers. Additionally, when I was able to detect a scam in progress, I was able to stop the transaction and worked to get the funds back to the scam victim. As was testified to by Paul Niwa, I was able to interdict multiple scams and make the victims whole. This is the opposite of willful blindness. This is willfully trying to stop scammers and protect my buyers. As a longtime advocate for jury nullification, I'm well aware that juries also have the power to do what would be called reverse jury nullification and convict someone who wasn't proven guilty by the evidence. Perhaps that is what happened in this case. However, before you render your sentence, there are some important factors to consider. 
The real shocking revelation from the testimony in this case was the complete lack of interest on the part of the FBI in catching or even investigating the actual scammers. On cross, cross cross-examination, Patrick Brown admitted the FBI never asked a single question about what happened to the roughly $900,000 he sent to other people or places at the behest of the scammer. $900,000 that did not go into any of my accounts. Mr. Brown stated that they never inquired about the scammer at all and had no interest in what happened to the bulk of his life savings. Carla Sino, similarly, said she'd be happy to talk to the FBI about her scammer who she admitted she was still in touch with as of the week before appearing at trial. She also said the FBI had never asked her to help provide any information about him or put him in touch with them. And I'm going to go even further. She said in trial that she had told them, like, Whenever you're ready, I, I'm ready to give you information about them. And they had no interest in it at all. At all. Hmm. Because it isn't relevant to to their case, essentially. Yep. So they don't Taking care. And they're not, I mean, in like a good person. Like, oh, so if these, you know, if the prosecution was really like doing this at the benefit of the people and were, you know, trying to help people, they would be like, even if it was out of their realm of what they can do in this case, They'd be like, great, we will set this up so we can, you know, whoever else is going to deal with whoever Jerry Harmon is. A new case, something. Which, uh, yeah, a new case. It's like, why we have an actual scammer out on the loose and they're just like, he was using a VPN. I'm sorry, a lot of people use VPNs and it's not impossible to to figure out like who's on the other end of a VPN. Like hackers do that stuff all the time. So it's like, you guys don't have somebody on your team that can figure out who this guy is. Or are you even trying to set up a separate case and investigate who the actual scammer is? Like we have a woman who is willing to give information that is probably very, very helpful in actually catching this guy. And is actually in touch with him. Yeah. Literally in touch with him. Like it would be so easy. It would be so easy to catch this guy at this point. But then, you know, Miss Prosecution Lady has the audacity to say he was using a Bitcoin in a fake email address. Yeah. A lot of people, I mean, not Bitcoin, um, a VPN. VPN. A lot of people use a VPN in a fake email address. Like, are you kidding? The other thing is there were some um, that had their actual passports and had pictures of their actual passports and stuff. And then they ended up turning, turns out they're a scammer. Um, so they had identification for some of these and she just, yeah. What, like you said, she said, um, Ian acts like we could have caught these scammers, but in reality, we can't possibly catch them because they're using VPNs. They're using Bitcoin addresses. They're using, we have identification. This is the FBI. This is the FBI. They're supposed to be the most powerful intelligence organization on the planet. And you're telling me they can't use, use hacking tools and discover who's behind that VPN. And, and you know what? Like they are absolutely idiots and they are all terrible at their jobs. Yep. So we know that we know that they're dumb and they can't do their jobs very well, but they could do their jobs well enough to be able to catch this guy and probably a bunch of other scammers, but they don't care. They had a woman who they wanted to be an expert witness, but uh turned out she couldn't be an expert witness because she wasn't an expert. Um, um, who was, they wanted her to testify who knows how to, Backtrace, I forget what they call it, um, Bitcoin transactions. Yeah. And, and then she tried to say, oh, well, it's possible. he's using Bitcoin, so it's too anonymous. It's like they not, kept- though. It's not. It's, it's literally not. not. If you know someone's wallet address, you can find out where the Bitcoin is going. Um, stick around for more. It's Free Talk Live. 603-283-6160. 
Hi, I'm Derek J. To me, an activist's calling is to actively work to advance a cause. The cause for which I work is personal freedom. I believe my life is best when I engage in voluntary interactions and self-government. I reject the idea that anyone else has a higher claim to my life or my body than I do. I see people who call themselves the government as a threat to my personal freedom. I realize you may feel differently, but my relationship with the people who call themselves the government is completely involuntary. If Starbucks used some of its money to drop bombs, I wouldn't shop there. So why would I support the American empire? The empire does not require my consent. Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree. You can order your copy of the Director's Cut DVD now at VictimlessCrimeSpree.com. Radio that you control. 603-283-6160. That's the phone number for you to call to bring up whatever is on your mind. 603-283-6160. And in the studio with you tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. And I'm going to go straight to the phone. Um, I have one caller, but I didn't really catch his name. I think he said Ted Libre. Yes, hello. Hello. Um, what's on your mind, sir? Well, I, I just wanted to talk about the unfortunate situation with Ian because I'm, I've been listening to Free Talk Live for at least 20 years from when it was just Ian and Mark. And it's a great radio show, and it's done a lot to further the concepts of liberty. I remember that uh, I got into Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash because they had Roger Ver on the show a long time ago. And just as far as what's happened to Ian, I know it's unjust, and there was probably, in my opinion, entrapment. Look, I wasn't there for the trial. I've only read what I can see on the Internet, but they had it out for him for a long time. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, the show has been targeted for quite some time. I know the first time I remember it being targeted was 2016 mm -hmm. because it happened on my birthday, which really? is March 20th. And then <gasps> the second time... <laughs> yeah, and and the second time it happened was 2021, and I was not here in New Hampshire for that one, unfortunately. And that was sad to me because, you know, it's four days before my birthday and all that. And so I remember that clearly as well. So, you know, this show has been rated more times than Glenn Beck or, or Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> yeah. Well, Rush Limbaugh's dead, but Sean Hannity and, and those types of people, they're not ever targeted by the FBI that I know of. I'm still just mind-blown that me and Riley have the same birthday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I'd just like to say that I I see Ian as a person of, of very high character. His uh, speech on the internet, his treatment, including with, for example, the famous caller Sarah, with me when I've called in before, and just his conduct in public. The man is not a criminal. And I, I want to say clearly to everyone who's listening, this is our fault. It's my fault. 
we pay the taxes that fed the monster that locked up Ian and locked up Ross Albrecht and locked up Julian Assange. We have to stop feeding the monster. This is why we I would rather sit in a cell with Ian than than buy a Hellfire missile or buy (laughs) food for their prison industrial complex or help them recruit to up to their standards or start conscription for their next war. I'd rather sit in a cell, stitch the black triangle on my shoulder, and I can at least have some decent, intelligent people to sit there in jail with. We We have to, at some point, stand up and say, enough is enough. I'm not paying your sales tax. I'm not buying products from people who charge me sales tax. The county assessor wants to come to my house. Why don't I go to their house? That's going to take give a, them an assessment of what they owe me. Yeah, that's going to take a huge effort on the American people's part to stop paying taxes. But it's not going to happen because the American people don't care. Well, that's the thing. It, it may not happen. Every single person may not do it. But the people that want to and do, it doesn't need to be every single one to make a huge difference. Um, one thing... Ted, that I kept hearing at the beginning of, like, right after the raid on our house when Ian first got arrested and he was in jail, and I was so in shock and, um, you know, uh, just had moved to New Hampshire, and then suddenly my boyfriend got stolen by the government. Um, Well, people kept saying to me, Bonnie, you got to be brave because he's getting railroaded. He's going to go to jail for the rest of his life. You're the new uh, Lynn Ulbricht, who is Ross Ulbricht's mom. Uh, you got to be prepared for, and uh, and that's like such a first of all, just like dumb thing to be telling someone. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. How like unhelpful? <laughs> yeah, also. very so, unhelpful. Like, it's just autistic people. Like they're not trying to be mean. They they're just, just don't like, get human emotion and right. how to like talk to people. And um, know? but the, I br- I bring it up because I just wanted to say it. I think that that was absolutely possible that it could have happened, but I don't think that they wanted to do it because of all of Ian's supporters, because the Free State Project is getting more and more powerful. Um, Just all these um, things together that are human beings taking a stand. And if no one does because they just are waiting for everyone on Earth to do it, like, oh, well, it will make no difference, then it will make no difference. But I really appreciate your call because I just think that people need to start taking a stand and also taking responsibility. Um, I I have come to that part in my life where I took responsibility for um, things like war going on and decided I'm not paying taxes anymore. And, um, um, you know, talking on this radio show, doing everything I do, all the activism I do. And I, yes, I love your call and definitely invite other people to join me. Well, as a parting thing, I'd like to remind everybody of the famous words of Michael Collins, the uh, Irish resistance leader, and remind everyone the most powerful word that you can say is no. Yes, I love that. And then I agree. Just love it. Don't just follow through. Just say no. Just say no. Do you have anything else to add, uh, Ted Libre? No, and I'd just like to to say here on the air and remind everybody that I don't owe Sarah anything, not even a bus ride. Thank you so much for your call, Ted. It's great because during his call, we got Sarah from New Mexico on the line. Sarah, what's on your mind? 
that we have a city election coming up um, on November 7th here. And I think the only thing they told us that we're going to be voting for is uh, city councilors. And then, and then they throw all kinds of bond questions and all sorts of other stuff that come with it. And, you know, we don't know the ballot until, like, October 10th. That, and then you could get it, what's on it, on the um, the 10th. In Albuquerque, October. right? New Mexico? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, um, so. I don't think most people really care about this, to be honest. I kind of zoned out. I'm sorry, sorry. It's just it's small town kind of drama, sounds like to me. I don't know. Albuquerque is a huge town. No, but I it's think huge. It's I've interesting. been there, but it sounds to me, sorry. I, I think it went. might be interesting to a national audience if there were important things on the ballot to discuss. Like, what sorts of things are coming up on the ballot, Sarah? Well, that's the whole thing. It's just a, like a, every two years, just the only thing that I know, only thing that they tell you is the city councilors, and they have to be up for election. But what I like, so what I like about it is our, our call, the number is 243 vote. So it's easy to remember, 243-8683. And that our um, county clerk or whatever, uh, she Secretary of State put that phone number so people could remember. But that's the whole thing. They don't tell you anything else that's going to be on. Well, because that's how the red light camera got put on, like about 15 years ago, on one of these elections. It was a small, only city council, not a mayor election. And that's when they put the red light cameras on the ballot. And they put bus uh, money for buses, money for senior citizens, money for libraries, money for road improvement. They throw everything else on there. And then sometimes they vote on this. I, I, I don't know. Just um, We just kind of like wonder what's going to be on. Uh, I mean, other than that. So, so, but that's about it. And, but I'm going to be voting by mail. Okay. So thank you, got Sarah. My apples, huh? Oh, thank you for your call. Um, it just sounds like Till is old this time. Sarah wants to make sure she gets to know how, uh, how she gets to vote to spend other people's money. And I think that's important to the average listener to understand that, hey, you know, there if you're voting in an election, there are things on your ballot that, you know, you may not want to vote on. But sometimes it might be important to vote on issues like, do we want to fund this? Do we want to fund that? And it's... Oh, no. It's, you know, the libertarian position is that we don't want to fund any of this by force. And so we don't we don't advocate for taxation because taxation essentially is is extortion because people with guns will come to your house and take your property from you if you don't pay your property taxes or they'll lock you in a cage if you refuse to comply to not paying taxes. So what essentially a government is, is the ability for you to vote to spend someone else's money. Yep, and Sarah knows that 100%, and she doesn't mind um, because that's the type of person she is. She just thinks other people owe her money because she's bipolar and hasn't worked since she was 18, I think. Um, I, I just thought that was too perfect that he's uh, ended yeah. his call like there, that that's about Sarah. That's why I went right into him. So did anyone have anything they wanted to say about Ted Libro's call? I just want to say that, you know, this is why people in New Hampshire, at least some of us, are advocating that, hey, maybe it's time to consider leaving the United States I mean, I know there's a movement in Texas to do that, and maybe it is time to consider leaving the United States and say, you know what, we don't want to be part of the political union known as the United States anymore. Excellent point. Um, I agree 100%. I don't know if it's going to happen in my lifetime, but I think it's an important question to have a conversation about. I really want people to be able to con- uh, 
to say that I don't consent to this and I yeah. want to leave. Absolutely. Um, that's where the NH, you can go to nhexit.us. Is that it, right? Yep, yeah. nhexit.us. To learn more about New Hampshire um, wanting to secede. And moving on, uh, well, if you you don't have anything to say, Nikki. Nope. Uh, moving on, we have nameless caller, unscreened caller. You know, it, it's Tom. I'm on a different phone. How's oh. the sound quality on this phone? It sounds a lot better. I'm not hearing my voice in the background, so thank you. Yeah, there's all those background noise in my house. Uh, oh. I'm on my cell phone. But anyway, uh, what they need to do is, uh, first of all, a local here in New Hampshire and then the other for everybody, uh, and that is uh, get in touch with the Shire Free Church and the Free State Project and even the New Hampshire Libertarian Party, uh, Liberty Movement people, and try to get people to show up at the presidential town hall uh, things where the presidential candidates meet and greet New Hampshire voters and ask them if they will uh, pardon uh, Ian and Aria for the, the heinous crime of selling Bitcoin without a license when there isn't even a law that says that you have to have a license to sell Bitcoin. It was a law that says you have to have a license uh, to transmit funds. Yep. Uh, and they, they, they retroactively said, oh, well, uh, we decided that th that's uh, funds, and so we're going to throw you in prison uh, for that. And then uh, also the fact that they didn't even go after the victims who squandered all their money. They're going after somebody who innocently sold them Bitcoin, and um, they make it sound like Ian was the criminal. You take a look at the uh, uh, state, the, the U.S. attorney's website, the, uh, the press release. It, they try to make it look like Ian was was laundering money. Uh, but for the uh, you get uh, somebody. Let, let's say Bonnie goes in there and talks to I don't know what uh, DeSantis and asks that what you're doing. You're not you're not going to get a pardon. What you're doing is you're educating 200 people yeah. in the room about what's going on here. And these are people who are uh, politically active and they think the government is benevolent. And some of them will wake up when they find out what happened, especially if Ian's wife is right there griping uh, about it to a presidential candidate. And at the national level, uh, people can get a petition going because you want a petition to have Joe Biden pardon Ian Freeman and Aria Demetso, but it's not going to work. But yeah. people will spread the petition, and other people will read, you know, the rest of the story. What the press release from the U.S. Attorney's Office doesn't tell you is that these idiot ladies kept sending money, and they lied to Ian to get him to sell them the Bitcoin. That they said they know exactly who they're sending this money to, and all of that. Which is another thing. I've been thinking of how to write the warning. You know, you try to help these people by posting signs in the Western Union office when they go in there to send money. And you've, we've all seen those signs that warn people about it. Yeah. But uh, it says, listen, Cinderella, if Prince Charming told you to lie to us when we're trying to help you, uh, help protect you from getting scammed, you know you're being scammed. It's time to grow up. Wake up, wake up out of this fairy tale land and face the fact that he is a fake prince. But and that's the thing. A lot of these women, unfortunately, they are so lonely. And these guys, I mean, and then obviously they're, you know, like copy pasting, saying the same thing to every single woman that they're talking to. Right. But 
They, you know, they're they're saying the right things. They are very manipulative. Yeah, they're they saying are, the right things. They're they're saying they're they're using emotion to control yeah. their victims. Absolutely, and what, a lot what, of these what? women, they're so lonely, um, and they've like genuinely fallen in love with this guy, or they think they have so much that it's like it doesn't matter what you say to them. They will fall for it because you even like in the instances where, you know, Ian has been contacting these women, like, do you know your husband? Like, is this real? And they're like, yeah, I can't even believe you'd say that they're they have that emotional response and that angry response because they are so convinced that this guy is real and that somebody loves them. And they feel like this guy makes them feel so good that if they were to even question his legitimacy it would like ruin their lives. Right. Cognitive then, dissonance. Exactly. But then like, you know, years later, finally it's like they can't ignore it anymore. Yep. And they've sent this guy hundreds of thousands of dollars and all of a sudden it's Ian's fault. Yep. That, that's a, so, honestly, Tom, can I say something? Um, This is probably the best call you've ever had. I want to say that it's great that you're also bringing up Aria. Like you're also um, asking people to help out Arya when she's not really your favorite person in the world. So, uh, I, I thanks for that. He. You said he. No, I didn't. No, she wouldn't have said he. I, I really don't think I did. Even if it, I even if I actually, I think you said she. I I, 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 I just. Uh, insist on calling him he. I mean, just because he's a sicko doesn't mean they should throw him in prison for money. For well, that's progress, Tom. I mean, that is uh, that is progress. Um, and the other thing is um, your plan. Uh, you keep bringing up new things, so I just want to address them. Um, your plan to have someone like me or other people from the free state go and talk to these politicians and ask them about Ian. I... I am so glad that you brought up the point that it's not going to get them to pardon Ian. Like, people keep just, it's almost annoying me not trying to be mean. I I mean, people are just trying to help, so I don't want to be annoyed with them. But lots of people have said to me, like, what if we contact Vivek Ramaswamy and ask him to pardon Ian? Maybe he'll pardon Ian. It's like, he's not going to do that, but doing something like that, you educate everybody else. and, And then something good comes out of this, even if Ian spends eight years in prison, even if Arya spends 18 months in prison, th- something good could come out of it. Um, thank you for your uh, call tonight, Tom. I really appreciate it. Um, I also, really quick, since we were on the topic of Arya, I've just been trying to mention that um, Arya is, in fact, still in prison. <clears throat> yep. um, if you'd like to learn how you can help her, send her money, send her letters. She really, really, really appreciates it when people send her letters. That's really something. I mean, it's like really difficult for her right now to obviously be in prison. She's a very strong person and she is making the best out of it. But if you want to help Aria at all, something huge and very easy that anyone can do is write her a letter saying whatever you want. It doesn't have to be, you know, anything really deep or meaningful. And send her just, memes. Yeah. Send memes, her like, funny posts just, or something. Just receiving a letter from somebody, whether she knows them or not, whether they're a listener or whatever it will really, you know, it will really cheer her up. So if you go to ariademezzo.com, um, she has all of the information right there on her website on how you can um, send her some mail. And that's aria, A-R-I-A-D-I-M-E-Z-Z-O.com. So thank you for that. Um, we should probably get into the habit of bringing that up like every show because 
We just yeah, want... if we could make it one of the um, it's like the live be. reads, okay? Yep. Because I've been like trying to remember, and then I like right. That's <laughs> because I wanted works. to make a point to like every time that I'm on the show hmm. to to bring it up. Yeah, and I really appreciate that. I also appreciate Tom even uh, extending yeah, a little even bit of he care for her. her and whatever. I yeah, mean, and even if I did say he, I mean, I would accidentally. I, I really don't think I don't he did. Think First I did, of all, but... you wouldn't do that, and I didn't catch you. I'm pretty sure you said she. But I've yeah. done like I've accidentally called Ian she in my life, like you know things like that that just it's, happens. Yeah, one letter. That's a human thing. Yeah. Um, I feel like I had another thing to say about his call, but moving on, we have Joe in Maryland. Joe, what's on your mind? Yeah, how you doing, Bonnie? How you doing, Nikki? How you doing, Riley? Uh, doing I great. Just up to say, uh, I'm very sorry for what happened, and uh, I've been praying for Ian, Aria, Jay Noon, his wife, nobody, and Footloose every day, and I'll continue to pray right now. That's all I can do. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I all really right, do I appreciate anyone. So- for you guys. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you for your call. Um, yeah, I really do appreciate just all the kind words. Um, I, I feel almost like robotic just constantly saying, I really appreciate it, but I, I truly mean it. Yeah. it it's, it's not that um, it, it, nothing can be changed, but I feel a lot better when people are telling me that they're praying um, and all that. Oh, and I remembered what it was because of his call. It reminded me uh, what I wanted to say about Tom's call. Um, basically, he, he's, he has an idea of how something good can come out of this um, by bringing attention to people. That's not just, oh, it's good because people feel bad for Ian being in jail, for Arya being in jail. It's good because people can have their entire worldview changed about what the government is. No, and that is so true. Like, this extends far beyond Ian and Arya. Like, obviously, like, that's our main point because those are our friends and we love them very much and they are missed very much by us. Um, but absolutely like for like the average person, like this is going to extend far beyond Ian Freeman and Aria DeMezzo. Like my mom texted me today. Um, she said, Bonnie, I'm sorry that I believed the media stuff that was out about him when I first found out about Ian and she wasn't even talking about the rage. She was talking about like prior stuff that the media lies about him even before. Um, and she said, I, because of this whole thing, I will never again believe the media when I'm reading about somebody who's in trouble with the law. And that's just so great. Yeah. Even yeah. if no, that's that just is. one it is person. Because, you know, there's another side to the story. And I think it's important for, for the average listener out there listening to this show, remember that the so-called government is going to lie to you one way or another. They may throw nuggets of truth at, at into the story but they're typically lying to you well and also the media too i mean their their job is to be sensational and to to get you know like they do the clickbait and they want those like sensational headlines that'll make you like click and read the art article like they're not they're not gonna the truth is honest is typically pretty boring sometimes right so they have to throw those or or kind of skew the truth in a way where it seems differently, like a lot of the art articles that were written about Ian, like yep. a lot of it, like, yeah, it was true, but the way it was phrased would not be the way that like you or I would phrase it. You know what Here's I mean? Here's a great so- example of that. That was actually just hilarious. And Ratsby at a caller, he sent this to me on Twitter. I talked to this woman from MWR or whatever it's called in New Hampshire. MWR? I think it's, it's WMUR. WMUR, yes. Yeah, that makes sense. For a long time. And they just said... 
they um this was their whole report they had they they talked about what happened with ian a bit and made him sound bad you know just talk they just said what the government says about ian and then she said and um this is what his new wife has to say new it was like (laughs) just those just the like implications in that is like oh well you know he had a wife and he got rid of her and got this girl that looks 12 Ian has never been married before, right? No, he's so never been married strange. before. And I guess, like, technically, you could be considered his new wife because you got married within the year. But to the way, like, the average person is going to perceive that. Right. It's and not, they oh, know that. Just, you know, they're newlyweds. It's like, and, new, like, oh, yeah, he ditched his old, ditched the old lady and he got this, you know, new girl. That would be, and the other thing that would is, be like someone saying to you, Nikki, you're Matt's new wife. Yeah, like I'm his only wife. He's never been married. Yeah. Right. And um, <laughs> whenever she was interviewing me, um, she asked, so how long have you been married? And I said, our one year anniversary passed a, a week ago yeah. on the 25th yeah, of September. Right, yeah. And she said, oh, so you're newlyweds. And I just kind of paused. I was like, thinking not really like I don't no, think yeah, that I, that's really what that means no, at I this think point. I, yeah I know like a year anniversary I think that you're out of the newlywed stage I mean yeah some people have been married for like 40 years at that but... moment I knew like that she's trying to spin it some way and they, yeah. they cut it off with me saying I don't know if the jury didn't like him because their wife his wife is young and like just cut oh, it off my God. it was like the only thing it, oh my god, it was so funny, honestly. Yeah. But yeah, the the media, um, after Twitter gate, after COVID, we know that the government is heavily involved in the media and it's not just um, you know, they have a, an, an angle. Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. More coming up. The Shire Free Church offers a sanctuary to those seeking an escape from state churches. The Shire Free Church is an interfaith, diverse group of people that may not share identical theological beliefs. As a member in or minister of the Shire Free Church, you are a sovereign individual and may be the faith of your choice. We don't claim to have all of the answers. We are open to all peaceful people. We want to learn from each other. What unifies the Shire Free Church and its diverse members is peace, love, and liberty. There are many paths to God, one for every individual. The Shire Free Church does not define a specific path beyond these parameters that must be your foundation. Peace as your way. Love as your guide. And liberty as your light. Learn more at church.shiresociety.com. That's church.shiresociety.com. Free Talk Live. You're listening to Free Talk Live. It's talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And in the studio with you tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. And I'm just going to go straight to your phone calls and thoughts because it's Free Talk Live and you can bring up whatever is on your mind and that's the point of our show. And Alu Axelman, you're on with us. What's on your mind, Alu? Hi, guys. It's great to hear you. Bonnie, you're doing a wonderful job as the host. 
and someone called in, I think, two or three days ago and, and said they're conservative or somewhat libertarian or becoming libertarian, and they wanted to know why so many libertarians and voluntarists condemn the U.S. Constitution. And I wanted to tell him that I wrote a book about that. It's a short book, super duper easy read. Even someone like Joe Biden could read it, probably. <laughs> and it's probably not. called How Amazing is the U.S. Constitution? It's super short, cheap on Amazon as a paperback and ebook, And it explains the, the major reasons why if you support liberty, you should absolutely condemn the U.S. Constitution. And um, it'll teach a lot of people, even voluntarists, will teach them some new stuff. And I'm thinking about trying to do the audiobook myself, possibly, because it's short. Um, so it's, it's up on Amazon, and, and I hope this person finds it and reads it. That's awesome. I know. I wish I remembered who the caller was. It was David it was, from New Mexico, I think. If, no, if that it wasn't David from New Mexico. It was on the Sunday or... show. It was a guy named Paul, I believe. Oh. Paul. See, I had a feeling Riley would know. Yeah, I listen to he, the shows every day. He usually day. remembers stuff, too. On, um, <laughs> about, like, I think it was a week ago, I was on with Ian and Nikki and me. me I think that was last Wednesday. Yeah, um, it should have been. Um, David from New Mexico asked that basically the same thing. He was, like, condemning libertarians for not caring enough about the Constitution. And in that wow. show, I accidentally misquoted Lysander Spooner. I think I have it down now. The Constitution, be it one thing or another, has either allowed the tyranny that we have now yes or has been powerless to prevent it yes yep, pretty yes, much yes. yep now i remember this and those might not be the exact words but it's got the point across a lot better than i butchered it the other day butchered it the other day anything else salu well i just want to know if anyone has heard from ian and if they know where he is and if he's okay and where he's going to be so yeah anyone can write to ian at this point he is at the jail in Boscoin. New Hampshire, which is called the Merrimack County Jail. And you don't need a, I asked him this today, you don't need a prisoner number. You just need to write Ian Freeman and the address to it, uh, the thing. Don't write with crayon or colored pencil, I don't think, uh, but definitely not crayon. And uh, I don't know. I can't remember any of the other things that you have to remember to get your letter rejected. Uh, but I'm not sure rejected. if you look up the, they usually have rules yeah. on the BOP websites for like each location. And it's typically like, yeah, if you're just writing a letter like typed or in pen, that's usually okay. Right. Don't try to send him any things. You can't send him things. And the book situation is complicated if I remember, but and I don't remember how to do it yet. So we'll have that up on some web- website at some point, how- but you can right now. How long are is he going to be there? Because they're putting him in a, like a federal facility eventually. Right. So we have no idea. But today okay. he was speculating. He's like, I'm sure they're keeping me here till at least um, the um, restitution hearing is. Okay. Since that restitution hearing is going to be in Concord soon. And he has to go to that. Right. He has okay. to physically go. And we don't know when that's going to be either. Okay. So, um, yeah, he. I've talked to him multiple times since he's been in jail. I talked to him for, like, three hours the first day because they kind of, like, left him in booking and just, like, kind of, I don't know, forgot about him or didn't care what he's doing. So that was really nice. Um, and then <laughs> yesterday I only talked to him for one minute because he doesn't have, like, his time all by himself anymore. He had to wait for other people to get off the phone. And he got on the phone with me really quick, and then he's like, they're telling me to lock up on you, so he had to go. And that was so sad. And then today, I talked to him for probably like 30 minutes, and I was so happy after that. Um, I don't remember uh, exactly what your question was. Like, is he awesome. okay? Well, the, the only other thing I would say is please 
do not hesitate to ask the Axelmans if there's anything we could do for you or Ian or Free Talk Live or anything. Well, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. Um, your wife also texted me th- uh, the same thing, and I just really appreciate it. I really love her. And you. Awesome. Yeah, love you guys. And Abel. Too. Have a good night. Keep up the good work. Yes, and Abel. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for your call, Alu. Um, so before the break, we were reading Ian's allocution. By the end of the show, we're going to learn how to right. pronounce that word. I keep wanting to say Alu, and then I was talking to Alu, yeah. so. so it's allocution. Before we go on with Ian's letter, I just want to mention that, you know, I really love the Liberty community here. They're really, really helpful. They're coming together, and it's really nice to see. I agree. Absolutely. Riley, didn't you want to say something? <clears throat> I do, but I want to get through Ian's okay. speech first. Yeah. So I think we can finish it this uh, segment. It's not very much is left. So... We read about the real shocking revelation in uh, this testimony was how Patrick Brown never got any questions from the FBI about the $900,000 he lost, only the, I think, $100,000 that he lost that he sent to Ian. So the $900,000 went to some scammer. They don't care. They just want to get to Ian. Um, In many such cases, in all of these victim statements and testimonies. So moving on, now I'm actually going to be quoting Ian's allocution. I hope you will consider this very carefully in your sentence. The fact that the FBI had zero interest in catching or investigating the scammers themselves reveals the truth about this case. It was brought in bad faith. Another example of this is when the FBI first approached my ex-girlfriend, Renee, and her then-fiancé, Andy, in 2018 to question them about working with me selling Bitcoin. They already could have brought charges for money transmission and perhaps some others, but they did not. In fact, since they didn't charge Renee, Andy, or me at the time, we figured it was more proof that we weren't doing anything illegal and they were just on a fishing expedition hoping to find something. If you'll recall, I was operating on my attorney Seth Hipple's guidance letter explaining why what we were doing did not require a money transmitter license at either the state or federal level. Throughout the case, they have acted as though this prosecution was about saving elderly victims from scammers. But if that were true, why not arrest me in 2018? Why did they wait three more years? They kept spending taxpayer dollars on investigating me with 24-hour-a-day surveillance and letting me continue to sell Bitcoin to many hundreds more people. If this was about enforcing the law, they'd have arrested me in 2018. They also don't actually care about the scam victims. That's why they never asked Patrick Brown or Carlos Sino anything about their scammers. They wanted to arrest a high-visibility Bitcoin advocate and seller and use the maximum amount of force and intensity to take me down to show everyone what happens when you don't ask their permission to sell Bitcoin. However, the idea that a government license matters in regards to stopping scammers is disingenuous. We learned through the witness testimony that every single one of these scam victims first went to their bank and authorized the bank tellers to send out hundreds of thousands of dollars via wire transfer in order to buy Bitcoin for their scammers. It didn't matter that the banks are registered money transmitters. They sent away these people's life savings. My know your customer procedures were even more in depth than the bankers, but the scam victims lied to me like they lied to the bankers. What did it matter if the banks filled out a CAR or CTR on the transfer? They still sent the wires because in the end, you do what the customer wants after you've done your best to alert them to possible scams. It wasn't the SARs, uh, suspicious, 
Suspicious Activity Reports, or CTRs, don't know what that stands for, that alerted the FBI to the victims who testified in this case. It was my own KYC files from my laptop. Based on what I saw in Discovery, the FBI had zero awareness of most of the scam victims until they started contacting the people they found in my files. The government estimates that the scam victims lost several million dollars to their scammers via buying Bitcoin from me. However, that number is the total number they lost to the scammer. An average of about 10 to 15 percent went to me and my friends. The rest of it is in the scammer's possession. Though the prosecution likes to bring up the 21 percent number, that was only for first time buyers and 21 percent. He means 21 percent fee on purchases. That was only for first time buyers because they were the highest risk and I subjected them to in-depth KYC requirements. Most of the regular buyers that turned out to be victims were at 10% commission because, to me, they were satisfied good regular buyers. As we learned at trial, Carlosino lost $100,000 of her own money early on in her several-year-long relationship with her scammer, and then she began assisting him by receiving funds from his other victims years before opening her first trades with me. So in some of the victims' cases, they weren't even sending their own money, making it hard to know their personal loss via trades with me, if any at all. Though they are now saying I'm a flight risk, the prosecution previously went from saying I was a threat to the community to have me wrongfully denied bail for 69 days all the way to consenting to dropping location monitoring and computer monitoring monitoring prior to trial. It's clear I'm not a threat to anyone and I can obey various restrictions, including home incarceration without being a burden on the probation department. I've already lived under pre- and post-trial restrictions over the two years in addition to the 69 days I spent behind bars. If I have to go back to a cell as part of the sentence, my radio show and over 170 AM and FM radio stations will be unnecessarily harmed. My co-hosts will do their best to keep things going in my absence, but no one knows the studio equipment like I do. A prison sentence may be the death of my, may be the death sentence for my 20-year-old radio program. I also have a wife, Bonnie, who I love very much, and my absence would harm her greatly. While I have my criticisms of the justice system in this country, I know it is made of individuals, and throughout this process, you have shown yourself to be thoughtful, fair, and willing to change your mind. Thank you for that. And that's the end, but I want to go um, to Mr. Hathaway on the phone with us before we say our final statements about that. I just want to get um, the callers in. So... Mr. Yeah. Hathaway, you're on yeah. there. Hi, Bonnie. Hi. And Nikki and Riley. Hi. <laughs> yeah, it was such a pleasure to be out there and to meet all you guys and all the you that I've known, you know, over the radio, but not in person to right. meet, you know, Matt and Mark, Nikki. It was um, a pleasure to meet you, I, too, I, and it, have a law officer who actually understands that Ian is not a criminal yes. testify yeah, or... And, or was testifying at the witness hearing. Yeah, I really did appreciate that. And um, I don't know if you noticed, Bonnie, that I did send you my testimony today on an email, uh, I think about an hour ago. So um, all, you know, my notes of. No, that's awesome. Thank you for that. Um, I definitely am going to get that to Chris Wade, Mr. Ping, when he's putting together a video where he has um, somebody reading everybody's statements. And I would love to have yours. So thank you for that. Okay, very good. Yeah, do whatever you want with it if you want to put it up on the Free Talk Live website or anything else else you want. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, we're uh, we're so happy to be there. Karen, you made her feel better. She was getting sad during the sentencing hearing, and then you cheered her up. And then later on that night, we listened to the show while we were at the airport in Boston. Um, 
And that made us feel better, too. You talked about how even sad things like this, they can help you have perspective and have compassion for things that other people are going through. So, I mean, it, um, that that show, um, it wasn't last night. It was the night before that. It, it kind of it helped us to feel better that, you know, look, you know, Ian's still alive. Yeah. Um, you know, that this isn't a death sentence and we can, we can use this to have, to learn to have empathy for people that are going through hard things. But anyway, I just want to call in and say, it was great to meet y'all. You guys, I enjoyed the 420, the thing at the Jamaican restaurant, being, being on the studio with, uh, with, in the studio with Ian and the captain and with you, Bonnie and, uh, Karen had a good time too, but that's, that's all I had to say. It's just, uh, enjoying the show. Thank you so Thanks, much, David. and it was um, it was so great to meet you and uh, Karen as well. And they're just such nice people. They like, are unbelievably they're, they're good nice. People. Uh, thank you so much for your call. So yeah, that was the whole allocution. So um, Riley, you said you had something you wanted to say. I do. So I've been listening to talk radio pretty much all of my life. Um, I grew up with it. My parents had it on, and I listened to people like Rush Limbaugh. I listened to people like Art Bell, who hosted Coast to Coast late at night and did fun topics like UFOs and and things like that. So that's how my curiosity began to blossom with, you know, psychedelics and things like that and and the strange and unusual and talk radio in general. I actually had an opportunity to be on a talk radio show when I was 11 in a local station for an hour and talked about what it was like being blind and things like that. And so I still have this love of radio and this love of broadcasting. And I still have this love of getting my voice out there. And this is why I love being on Free Talk Live. This is why I've done my own podcast. And I I love broadcasting because it gives me a chance to speak and have a way to communicate with other people. But in 2015... I started listening to Free Talk Live more regularly, and Ian's voice was the most common voice on the air at the time, and, you know, I thought he was an interesting character. He defied the government, and I started to really like how much he defied the government, because to me, that's just something that not many people do. I mean, I hear about Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity and these big talk show hosts talking about how bad the government is and we just got to vote for the right people. But yeah, Ian Freeman isn't like that. He He's not like this type of person to say, hey, we got to vote for other people to hopefully fix our problems. He's like, well, here's the problem. This is the solution. Let's take a speeding ticket or a traffic ticket to trial. Let's fight it out in their court systems. Let's Stand up for secession. Let's do all these different things rather than beg a politician for help. And then when I started doing the di- the Free Talk Live Daily Digest in 2016, it's then that I really got to know Ian and his voice and the way he acts. And in 2018, I came to New Hampshire for the first time and it was on Free Talk Live in on August 10th. I want to say 10th. I don't remember, but I was in with the studio with Daryl W. Perry, who used to be on the show, and Ian, and we had a good time. I loved it. I loved being on the show. Ian was very generous. I've actually had an opportunity to interview Ian on my podcast. I don't remember what episode number it was, but, you know, he's a generous man, and, you know, he's been willing to have me be in studio as a co-host. And that's been really nice of him. 
And I know he doesn't like a lot of praise. And he's like, oh, you know, you do a good job. You do good things. And that's why I have you on the show. (laughs) And I really appreciate that. I also appreciate Mark, who's also been a really good help in helping me get audio production work and things like that. And I've really enjoyed having Ian as an influence in my life. And this is why I came to New Hampshire. This is why I chose to move here. Not because Ian said, hey, you should move to New Hampshire, but because if... Ian can inspire people to follow principle, then obviously I can move here and learn to apply the principles that I've learned. And I came here knowing full well that Ian might be put in a cage, most likely. And so I'm here because I want to apply the principles of liberty in my own personal life and live in such a way that Others can see my example and say, hey, you know, if he, he can live free, I can live free too. And I think freedom is extremely important for everyone listening because we are living in a time when freedom isn't loved anymore. People want to control other people's speech. People want to live in a world where they want to feel safe all the time. And, you know, sometimes you're going to get offended and it's okay to walk away and not engage in being offended and not demand that a, a government step in and stop you from being offended you know sometimes when you get offended you just need to leave can i ask you riley sure what's some of the like just quick um descriptions of some of the values libertarian values that ian has inspired you to come here and live i think the biggest one that i can think of right now off the top of my head is peace i i've heard him talk many times on the show about living a life of peace and living in such a way that, you know, yeah, we have a violent gang of thugs out there calling themselves government that we could be like, you know, we should storm DC and take it over. But Ian's like, no, we need to do something different. We need to be peaceful people. We need to show that noncompliance, that peaceful noncompliance is the way to go. And, you know, it's easy for the police and the military to step in and stop a violent act of revolution or or whatever right but when peaceful when people peacefully non-comply it's it's not a good look it's not a good look if if gandhi or someone like him gets tackled by the police for just being peaceful and i think gandhi and ian freeman they i don't know if ian would say he's like gandhi but in a way he kind of is in the sense that he is a peaceful man he's never been violent that i know of i think he's better than gandhi you think so? Yeah, I've read some, um, uh, not the whole thing, but a bio about Gandhi. I don't know. I think Ian's better. Huh. Well, you might have some biases there. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, to me, just living peacefully and living free in such a way that you don't harm others by living free and taking responsibility, personal responsibility for your actions is one of the, is just a few things that Ian has taught by example. I think that's a great thing to point out is that you don't have to hurt other people to be free. And for some reason, I don't know why, but I think a lot of statists have this like, like they think freedom means that you have to like trample on others to achieve that freedom for yourself. And that is not what it's about at all. Right. No. Um, and, you know, and speaking specifically to Ian, like that's something that he always advocated for is like not just like, you know, I don't just want freedom for myself, but for like everyone. 
Yeah, you he know, wants and, freedom for everybody living here. He absolutely. wants to be free and he wants everyone else to be free. And I think that is perfectly painted, you know, in in like him being willing to like take this to trial and risk. You know, he probably could have taken a plea deal where he didn't have to go to, you know, like that maybe right. could have been on the table. But who knows? Because he was willing to take this all the way because he knew that this case could create more freedom for other people like it was more about the big picture so he was Mm -hmm. almost willing to sacrifice himself and his like immediate freedom to be able to like big picture create more freedom for other people and I think it's also really important to to recognize that true freedom comes from within like to me freedom is a very spiritual thing yeah um and you can still be free living in a cage i know that sounds like a major contradiction yeah but i believe about, it it's all about how you approach it from your mind like ian, absolutely ian doesn't seem like a man with a guilty conscience to me no right if ian does anything that's remotely harmful to someone he will like call them up and apologize like there was this time that he threw something out the window, I think, is what happened. I could be telling the story a little wrong because um, it's been like a year since he told me this. Um, when way before I met him, like 10 years ago, he threw something out a window and it hit someone's car. And it was an accident. And then the guy kind of was like annoyed by it. But he's like, it's whatever, whatever, dude. And he's like, oh, he doesn't care. And then he got to thinking about it 10 years later and he felt so bad. He called him and asked if he could like pay him any money, told me sorry. And the guy was just like, no, dude, thanks so much for the call. Like, I appreciate that. You don't need to give me anything. You know, that's the type of person Ian is. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. More coming up. Wake up Eleutheromania. The insatiable desire for freedom. We have been enslaved for all. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. Live talk radio that you control 603-283-6160 that's 603-283-6160 and with you in the studio tonight you've got me Bonnie Riley and Nikki you can use that phone number to call in about whatever's on your mind in the next um, little under 30 minutes and um, it doesn't matter if it's on topic whatever's on your mind that you want to bring up on the radio um, 603-283-6160 but first I want to tell you about Dash This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash, digital cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Tired of the ever-inflating U.S. dollar? You can live your life on Dash instead with some handy websites. BitRefill.com has been accepting Dash for years and has a ton of big-name retailers and brands, including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. Plus, many of their gift cards are available at a discount. 
What about paying your bills? Sprint.finance can do that, and they can send dollars to your bank account in case you still need those for some reason. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn more about Dash. Dash.org. I'd also like to thank um, an amplifier tonight. I'd like to thank Dodger, who's a gold-level amplifier. And being an amplifier means that he contributes monetarily to this program to help get us on more radio stations and just everything else that it takes to keep this show going. You can learn more at amps, A-M-P-S, so amps.freetalklive.com. And thank you again, Dodger. Um, I'm going to go right to the phones. We have an unscreened caller. Unscreened caller, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello? Hello, we hear you. Hi, this is Dagwood. I called in quite a while ago. What's your name? Dagwood, I think he said. Dagwood from Montana. Okay. What's on your mind? I'm just calling back to let, uh, I think Nikki was there with Captain Kickass, and I think Ian was there as well, but I had an issue where they were trying to make me get rid of my animals. Yes. Uh, yes. HOA and all that. So, yeah, how is that turning that, out? Yes, yes, I was Good. there. I remember I- this. I became the president of the HOA. No way! So yes. Oh my gosh, that's awesome! Congratulations! No way. Yeah, all the other tenants did not like what was going on, and ever since I spoke up, everything's changed. So it turned out for the better. What kind of animals were they trying to get you to get rid of? Cat. So yeah, if you want, just like very briefly, you know, give us a brief overview. I wasn't wasn't on the show, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners don't know the story. Tell us about the story. Yeah, so just real quick. I live in a condominium area, and the HOA was trying to get away with all animals. No animals allowed in the building whatsoever. Hmm. Well, in that case, it's my wife. She had an animal, I call it, what is it, a service animal or um, a therapeutical animal. That's what it was. And they tried to say that you had to get rid of it and all this other stuff. And I'm like, there's no way that they can do that. Well, they tried taking us to court and everything else, and... We won the case. Everything went good. And needless to say, they're selling, they're moving, and it's a better place. Wow. Nice. I'm, I'm actually very surprised that that was the um, the turnout for that. Yeah, but that's yeah, good news. That's, that's amazing. That's good news. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't looking for that outcome. I thought it was going to be something totally different, but it played, the system actually played in our favor for once. Yeah, and I think, um, I don't know if you were listening to the show, you know, like the last time you called in when you originally told us the story. I think Gigi called in after you and gave some some sort of advice. So I don't know if you heard that or were able to yes. get her advice. Yes, I did actually, okay. and that was part of what helped out. So yeah, I that's think awesome. It was Captain Kickass that says, "Well, because I told him I didn't want nothing to do with the HOA and all this other stuff," and he goes, "Well, that's the problem with the system. Yeah, if you don't want nothing to do with it, don't do nothing." Well, I did something, and it turned out for a better thing. So. Good. Nice. I don't know where he's at, but I wanted to He thank just Kat. walked in the room when you said his name. I'm not even joking. He That's just put true. headphones on. Yeah. <laughs> you wanted to thank nice. him, you said? Yes. I want to thank Captain Kickass for giving me the initiative to actually go forward and becoming president of the HOA. So thank you for that, Captain Kickass. 
Thank you so much for the call. That's a that's awesome. No, I was glad to get the update. So just just really quick, that was Dagwood calling back about um his the HOA and they were trying to get him to get rid of his cat. So now he's the president of the HOA. <laughs> and yeah, so <laughs> success. Yep. That's dude. awesome. Thank you for your call. That's I mean, that's always fun to have a you know, somebody calls in with a story. A lot of times people don't update us. Yeah, later. I know. And I like sometimes like randomly, you know, I'll just be like doing whatever and I'm like I wonder how that random caller is doing that told us about, you know, this thing that they're going through. So, yeah, no, it is nice to have like, you know, an update in a, so in a happy you. ending. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. So congratulations, Dagwood. And now um, going on to the next caller, David from New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live. I love happy ending. <laughs> they're great. And yeah. Um, yeah, talk radio, you can control. So I'm calling to troll. And uh, what's all this uh, talking smack about uh, Dr. Butt that I heard here in this last hour? Because I said something about the Constitution. That wasn't smack at that point. Oh, so you're dissing me then? No, I'm not dissing you. not dogging on you, bro. Oh, all right. All right, bro. I'm glad we cleared that up. So what I was was calling about originally, uh, which I want to get to about, uh, you had a caller, Ted. Ted Libre? Yeah. Good call. Yeah, brother to brother to Nacho Libre. I got I got oh, I think it's a cousin. Cousins? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's like yeah, that's like on the on the on the res out here when uh, uh a dude is trying to hook up with uh, some hot-looking uh, uh Indian chick. He one of their pickup lines is, "Hey, you want some cousin?" cuz they're all related. They're all cousins, so that's a joke. Hey. And that's then if you, if you make fun that's of messed up, dude. Huh? No, no, no. If you make fun of Indians, you're not really making fun. You're having fun with them. So you say, hey, after or before or at any point, and they know you're joking. That's uh, that's uh, inch or old Indian trick. Hmm. So um, the Constitution, two things, or maybe, maybe there's three, but number one, you talk about the government, and at least Riley said the people calling themselves government. The number, So this is about the Constitution, remember. Number one, the so-called government that you have right now is actually not your government, they're fake. They're imposters because they, they don't follow the highest law of the land, to put it super simply. There's a thousand points of evidence. They, they, they're organized crime that have taken the place of your legitimate government. If you had a legitimate government in there, you wouldn't have these problems or you wouldn't have near these problems. And number two, let's uh, talk about Lysander Spooner. I'm going to, I'm going to school Lysander Spooner. He's probably dead. So he probably can't hear me, wow. but I'm going to school him anyway. I'm going to school him anyway. He, the, wh- why don't you say that, that Lysander uh, Spooner quote again, Bonnie? Okay. And I'm definitely still uh, paraphrasing. I, I know that he used some kind of uh, more antiquated words than this, but basically he said the constitution, be it one thing or another has either allowed the tyranny that we have today, or it was powerless to defend us from it. Okay, so Lysander Spooner, this is why you're wrong. Okay, let me let me paraphrase George uh, W. Bush for a second. Uh, uh, the Constitution is just a GD piece of paper. That's exactly now, a what GD you're piece of paper. Pardon? Well, sorry, continue. But I was saying that's exactly what Lysander now, Spooner is saying. That you're exactly correct. Okay. But but now, if you combine what Lysander Spooner said with what the president of the fake government, George W. Bush, said the Constitution is just a GD piece of paper. So if you uh, say to the GD piece of paper, 
stop doing this and do this over here instead. What's the GD piece of paper going to do? Lay there. Right, because it's a GD piece of paper. That's why it says in the GD pieces of paper, we the people. We, we the people, you the people have to actually do it. You have to enforce what was in the highest law of the land. And if you don't do that, then you get what you want. So Lysander Spooner, his point is wrong because the GD piece of paper can't do anything. You got to do it. And if you don't do it, then you get what you got. And if you do do it, then you get something else, which is probably closer to what you want. Okay. Now, last point is uh, going back to Ted. Ted said what I've been repeating from time to time for the last 15 years, and nobody gives a damn about me because I'm not a <laughs> likable person. But I called your program at least he's 15 honest. years ago. Pardon? I said at least he's honest. <laughs> right. Okay, there you. You, there you go. Thanks for, thanks for helping to make my point, yeah. Bonnie. Nobody cares. Who cares about Ian Freeman, Bonnie? Does anybody care? Yeah, like everybody. Yeah, lots of people do. Yeah. Okay, like everybody. But he's going to prison, isn't he? Okay, I wasn't making fun of you that nobody wait, cares about wait, you. Wait, I was wait, laughing wait. about Follow the way you said it. Follow my train of thought, please. Follow my train of thought. You Ian completely ditched your train of thought. No, 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 I didn't. I, Ian is going to prison, is that correct? Yep. He's in prison. Okay, but everybody but everybody loves him. But okay. he's going to prison. Minus the government. But everybody loves him, minus the government, but he's still going to prison. Yeah, the people okay. that put people in prison? Right. So here, here's the problem. Uh, I've also in, in I've invoked many times. What's his name? Pastor Martin Niemöller. You know who he is, right? Yeah, he said first they came for the Nazis, right? Yeah, and it, it doesn't have. No, he first said it first. Have to be- first they came for the trade unionists. He didn't say anything about Nazis. Oh, so, oh yeah, that's yeah. what they've been saying in the context of Chris Cantwell. So yeah, yeah. Okay, but yes, I know who you're talking about. First they came for these people, then they came for this group of people, and I said nothing. Then they came for me, and there was no one else to say anything. Right. And and it doesn't matter the groups that he's talking about. He used them, for example, and the the yeah. trade unionists, the communists, the Jews. And when he did his speaking tours, he also added in this group and that group and the other group. And the hmm. point is, it doesn't matter what the group is. The point, the point that he was trying to illustrate is that going back his, historically, if you didn't help the people that you don't like, they didn't like the trade unionists. They didn't like the communists. They didn't like the Jews. They didn't care. They weren't one of them. So they didn't help them. And then when they came for me, there was nobody left to help him. So what I'm telling you is, is back to Bonnie Snicker, I'm not a likable person. And that's why you, you didn't help me or part of the reason why you didn't help me. Okay, but. I, I never had an opportunity apply, to help you, if you, David. If you, pardon? I, I never had an opportunity to help, help you. You're just talking generally not, to the public? I'm not talking about you. You mean, you mean the everybody, all of, all of society. And, and, and I don't really matter. It's, the, it's the, the doctrine, the concept that matters is the people that you don't like, you don't help. And then it finally gets around, the, the, the so-called government finally gets around to bashing down your door. And if possibly everybody would have stood up for all those people that came before that you don't particularly like, Ian might not be in prison. That's the point. 
I mean, maybe, but how would we? Well, you know, I, there's th- no way the to actually know that. But but I do kind of agree to I David's agree. point. Right. So where that's the thing. He does this thing where he's talking to us like we wouldn't agree with what he says, and we would agree. He does this almost every and, single call. You know, like I agree, and I disagree. And I've like, said this I agree to right now, right? So I hear you. Know, talk you're with... still on, you're still on the air. Oh, it's just other people can talk. <laughs> okay. Anyways, I was gonna say that you know I agree. To a certain extent where it's like, okay, if you share a common enemy, like, yeah, we're friends now until that enemy is defeated and then we're enemies again, right? Um, to a certain extent, I agree with that, but... But wait a minute, let me interrupt you because that's not what Pastor Martin Niemeller was saying. He wasn't saying the enemy of my enemy is my friend. That's not what he was saying. Not at all. That's a completely different concept. So what was he saying? He was saying exactly what he did say, and he, in what he said once again is that they came after these people that yeah. I didn't particularly care about, and they came after these people that I didn't particularly care about, and they came after these, but, and then finally they came after me, and, yeah. they, and those people were not available to help so me. So the sentiment of that is, you know, what I said was like, if we share a common enemy, then we should band together and defeat the enemy. I agree, Nikki. That's kind is, of like that's kind of like the sentiment of what it is. Yeah, it's she, kind of just like she's a, just putting almost a, like a paraphrase. Yeah, her own uh, interpretation. It means basically the same thing. But I, I also agree, David, that there's like an, another point in it saying it's just the principle of standing up for people who um, shouldn't be being hurt by tyrants. It doesn't matter if they're your friend or your enemy, it's just the principle you should always stand up for them. And then if people always did that, then nobody would be being hurt. Like, but the thing is, Ian's pretty low on the list if you think about it, because like you're joking around, we're joking around saying everybody likes Ian. Lots of people hate Ian. So yeah, that's actually even yeah. in New Hampshire. Yeah, people are celebrating him going to jail. People are happy that we're suffering. Like lots of people, um, especially like all of the news agencies that have covered this at all, almost. So I, I think that it's more, he's lower on the list. Like people are celebrating and uh, some people, not everyone, are happy that Ian's going to prison because they're not considering that maybe in the future their company is selling VPNs or, you know, just their company doing whatever might get in trouble for whatever they want to do. And, and I say this all the time, David. And, right, right. um yeah, I say this all the time you're invo- you're, about you're, different things. You're, in, you're invoking, you're now invoking Niemöller. Yeah, I, and I've never disagreed with that, so I don't really know. I don't really know why you try to make it sound like I disagreed with you on that, because I say this I, type of thing all the time. Like, I became a libertarian. A uh, huge part of it was because of the fact that cops came and ruined a huge chunk of my life trying to bring charges against me. And it wasn't until that happened to me that I realized how bad they were. Like I started looking up, like I was just like, I can't believe this can happen. Like I, I can't believe this is going to happen. I looked up things online. I was like, Whoa, they do this kind of thing all the time. I would have never known. I would have never cared before that. I just thought of the cops as, Oh, uh, you need cops because if everything was legal, we would have criminal uh, criminals, blah, blah, blah. Like the o- obvious like right winger. Like we, I never was like, I love, love, love cops. I just thought of them as a necessity, like a force of nature. You need them or else the world will go to crap. Um, and it wasn't until they came after me that it brought. It, it's kind of the same idea. It's not exactly what Neem Waller is saying, but um, I'm always bringing this up that people don't care about what's happening to me and Ian. They have like not no one, not 
not zero people, but if you're looking at the whole country, almost zero people, it feels well, like. Care. And a lot of people think like, oh, well, that wouldn't happen to me. Right. You know, oh, well, he uh, he must have done something wrong. Right. Or, you know, if he just towed the line a little bit more, like people rationalize this stuff in their head because it's uncomfortable to confront the fact that, you know, the government in the country that you live in or the people calling themselves the government and those right. that work under them are trying to kill you and ruin your life. Right. Like that's a very dramatic way of putting it. But that's kind of like like we were just talking about, you know, police brutality and stuff like that. Yeah. Any one of us could get, you know, shot by a cop right now at a traffic stop or whatever. Right. You know, like they are literally actively trying to ruin our lives, take away our freedoms and maybe even kill us. And oh, the, the few people that that would just never happen to. I'm sorry. You have compliance citizen privilege. It's not that. Um, it, but never say never, because even yeah. those people who are back the blue, whatever, it could happen to them, too. Even Absolutely. if you're, you know, in the military, even if you're a cop yourself, yep. you never know. Yep. Anything else, David? Um, yeah. So I just two things. One, I'll say uh, in your uh, narration there, you reinforced my point that you were talking about, Ian, and that uh, a lot of people don't care and are actually happy. Uh, and that, that point, I won't rehash everything you said, that reinforces the point that I made earlier because, like I said, I can empathize. I was in that same position. Okay, and now somebody else is. Yep. And the second point is that um, I, I would recommend focusing less on the police because the only policy and the only law that they make is what they make with, their, with the, the narrow scope of what they call their discretion. It's the people that employ them that enable them to do negative things that you don't care for. And so I see the police more as a symptom than the cause. The cause is the organized crime syndicate that has uh, displaced the legitimate government of the people and convinced you that they are your legitimate government and they're not. Because they, and why? Because they don't follow the law. You can't be legitimate government if you don't follow the law. And lastly is, is I know that you don't care for the founding documents and and uh, but two things on that. One, I'll say it again. I've said it said it before. I'll say it again. If we people actually enforced what it says in those documents, you'd be halfway to where you want to be. Also, the 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 Constitution does provide for a way to change it. And I know that system that process is flawed as well. But being halfway to where you would like to be is much better than where you are now. Okay, well, thank you for your call, David. I just, uh, to answer, uh, I don't know if he's still listening. I didn't put him on hold. I dropped him. But um, the reason that I put so much emphasis on the cops is not only because I'm a direct victim of the cops in many different ways and circumstances in my life, but because of the fact that people deal with them, some people daily throughout their lives. That's something that's tangible to people that they can see. People um, don't think about it because they're busy being entertained and eating Cheetos on the couch watching TV, but 
um, if I can try to get people to think about the fact that when they're just driving down the street, they could, you know, get stopped at a traffic stop and even if not shot, but wronged by a cop by wasting their time being like wrongfully imprisoned for a little bit by a guy with a gun yeah. standing there wasting their time bringing a ticket against them. Well, people can see that. People can look at that and see it's wrong. But the politicians are so far away from the average person. It's just like an idea. Like you're thinking of demigods. Yeah, it's it's this whole myth of we are the government. No, we are not the government. There's this other class of people who are the the people calling themselves government. We don't, we, the, the we the people statement in my mind isn't we the people of the United States. It's we the upper class politically connected people right. are writing this document. And they wrote, yeah, yeah, the people who wrote the document. I didn't write we yeah. on there. I wasn't no, alive. I wasn't alive. I wasn't around. I wasn't allowed to. And the other thing about it is I actually am not as hateful about the Constitution as some people. I um, think that the thing is, it was a good idea and it got tried and it failed and it failed because David always goes back to this idea of if we just get everyone to do the blank, but you like, can't do that. You can't. No, right. and that's the thing. And, and it's like half the people don't even want to half. So we have like half the people are too lazy. Yeah. And then the other half just don't want to. They, right. they like the system that they live in because they are blind and they don't realize what is really happening. They, they feel safe. It's familiar. They have right. the, what is it called? The Stockholm syndrome. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, he's abusing me, but he pays my rent and he feeds me and he buys me drugs or whatever. Yeah. So like, I don't know. It's really not that bad. And like, I don't know what I would do without him. And I can't really do better. That's what it is. People, you know? people need to realize that government systems like the one we have now are designed to fail. Their designs become more tyrannical over time. And you can't get back to the Constitution. You can't do this and you can't do that to save the government. It's not our responsibility to save the government. It's our responsibility as people to stand up and preserve our personal liberties at, at and lay down our lives in defense of those personal liberties so that others around us can live free as well. And I don't mean lay down your life and life and death necessarily but i think sacrificing your time giving up your talents and saying this is freedom this is what this looks like to me i want you to have the same freedom i do well well said both of you guys um basically the other thing about it is that if i just don't want to live under that system well what do i do then david's saying i'm we and David wants to force me to be part of his same system. I just don't want to. Well, so. and, that's, and, the, and when people say like, oh, just leave. Oh, if you don't like it here, then just leave. It's like, okay, leave and go where? Everywhere else has their form of the, you know, constitution yeah. and cops and, and this laws. And this is why secession is so important. We have an opportunity to say we want to divorce from this union. Yep. This has been Free Talk Live. Thank you so much for listening. Um, please share with your friends and... Um, Like it wherever you're listening to. Thanks so much. Um, Peace. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Warden. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. 
Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupineralestate.com